Hey folks, Brian here with a quick update before we begin the show. This episode was recorded live in my basement with the three of us sitting around one microphone, and uh, the sound's pretty good, but there are a few times we laugh too hard and it clips. But that's a really good indicator of what it was like to do this show. We had the best time. This weekend was an amazingly fun time. The three of us had never been in the same room before. Zach and I had never met. Zach and Vince had never met. I've only met Vince twice before. And so we've spent, we estimated about a thousand hours talking on Skype over the last five years or so. And this is the first time we were ever together. And it was amazing. It was honestly the most fun I've had in, oh gosh, I don't want to say how long. It's one of the best weekends of the year, if not my life. And that sounds hyperbolic, but really that's how much fun we had. And uh, I hope that comes through on the recording. I think it does. It's a rambling show. We go off on some tangents. We talk about the DC Universe app that I was streaming on my TV, which probably makes for bad podcasting, but made for a really fun experience. So sorry about that. Then at the end of the show, we have an interview that Vince did with Scott Snyder at New York Comic Con. But I warn you, he does sort of spoil some stuff, as Scott on our show is wont to do. So I just wanted to give a heads up. There is a spoiler warning on that. So enjoy that. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye. Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, but this time they're really with me. They're in my basement. We are here recording the DC3 cast live and in person. Zach's on Twitter, not paying attention at all, and uh, we are getting ready to talk about comics. But first we're going to talk about New York Comic Con 2018, where we just spent the day doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, On this episode, you will hear... Our, Vince's interview with Zack Snyder, with, not Zack Snyder, with Scott Snyder. <laughs> release uh, the Snyder Cut. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut, sorry. We're Kate. doing the real work Yeah, NYCC, y'all. <laughs> and uh, so uh, stay tuned for that at the end of the show. Uh, Vince and Scott, well, Scott spoils a lot of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't want to know what's happening in Justice League 19, 20, and 21, <laughs> don't listen. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, dig in. So, Zach, this is your first time at New York Comic Con. Uh-huh. Uh, what, are, what are you thinking so far? It's it's real big. It's real fun. And, um, yeah, I guess the biggest con I've been to before this is C2E2, and this is probably, like, easily, like, twice the size. Um, we barely saw a fraction of what there was to see today, which, of course, we were busy doing right, interviews yeah. and, and all of that, all of that good stuff, but... I've had a good time so far. And Vince, this is your second time in New York Comic Con? Yeah, yeah, it's my second time, but it was the first time that I met and took a picture with the goddamn Joker. Yes. So that was pretty big. We we were waiting to interview Scott Snyder, and who very well might be Jared Leto, still in character, walked up with a pitch-perfect Suicide Squad Joker costume. And despite Zach's protests... I didn't want to do it. I, I was not comfortable. <laughs> we uh, we went up and we got a picture with him, and it was glorious. Well, and I, I, I can confirm that it actually was Jared Leto, because 
I shook his hand, and n- instead of a buzzer in his palm, he had a used condom. It's <laughs> <laughs> confirmed. That's true. There is there is no denying it. It is confirmed. Um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun so far. We've done some good interviews. We're going to be rolling them out on the show over the next few weeks, as well as at multiversitycomics.com. So that's super fun. Um, there hasn't been a ton of DC news, aside from the big thing we're going to talk about in a minute. But, um, Zach, what else did you want to talk about from the con? Anything? Um, not a, does it have to be DC-related? Not, be not, not related? to start. No, go for it. Oh, yeah. The manga and anime game at, at New York is really good. Very good. Yeah, we're manga boys this year. We're the manga boys. I'm the one. I'm playing I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, my my hero academia is huge this year. Like big time. Um so if you're interested in that, come listen to my other show, uh Multiversity Manga Club. Not, not we, our, not we post new episodes once monthly. The first Friday of the month. First Friday of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we we should mention that to fully complete the DC package here, we are streaming DC Universe online as we're recording. <laughs> uh-huh. We're watching episode one of season nine of Super Friends, aka the Superpowers Team uh, Galactic Guardians. Yeah, currently Darkseid is. And <laughs> yes, a gruesome Darkseid head is on the screen. Who is that guy on the far end? That's Samurai. He was created just for the. Uh, but he showed I up. Think I knew that. He showed up in a couple of comics over the years. Yeah, I want to say fact, yeah. he was just in something like last week or two weeks ago. He's going to show up in Justice League number 30. Yeah. Guaranteed. I think he was actually, he's on one of the teams in Doomsday Clock. Like, he's oh, listed as one of the, yeah, uh, you're right, the, the, the okay. foreign teams. He also probably got killed in Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. There's a good chance. There's at least a 60% <laughs> chance he was going to Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. Um, well, so should we talk about the big DC news? Yeah. Yeah. So, Wonder Comics, the new Brian Michael Bendis curated imprint, uh, he is going to be launching a Young Justice comic in January, drawn by Patrick Gleason, which is a wonderful pairing for that comic. And then there are three additional titles, at least three initial additional titles. One is called Naomi, uh, co-written by Bendis and David Walker, with art by Jamal Campbell. One is Wonder Twins, written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Stephen Byrne, which is a... Uh, Italian Chef Kiss Emoji team, if I ever heard one. And then Dial H for Hero, Vince, calm down, from Sam Humphreys and Joe Quinones. He just calmed down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, what do you guys think overall of this announcement? <sighs> Go for it, Zach. Oh, this is the best. So I saw this uh, like right when I got off the plane into New York, and I was just like... Oh yeah, this con is starting off well. Um, this is probably the best thing that I could hope from for Bendis, I think. The best thing? Maybe. I mean, like, what, okay, like, already his Superman is incredibly good, surpassing all expectations. Now we're getting, like, a really great, like, team team book with characters that we haven't seen in a long time like connor kent and bart allen and then we're getting cool new characters like um a teenage lantern and 
um, this Naomi character who we think might, might be, be a speedster. speedster. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, and that's just from anecdotal stuff from yeah. Rich Johnson saying that David Walker was going to be writing a flash book with Bendis. Right. And so we just presume that maybe this is that. And then also Wonder Twins. Yeah. Mark Russell Mark Wonder Russell's. Twins. Oh! Um, <laughs> this is wild. Like, I know we say that a lot, but... <laughs> well, this puts Bendis at... Four th- no, because he's co-writing Naomi, uh, so that's four like three and this, a half, three and a half DC Universe books, um, a month plus all of his Jinx World stuff, plus his Batman, uh, Walmart book, mm-hmm. which we should clarify when we say DC Universe. I don't know if we're a hundred percent sure. Oh, that's true. If this is in continuity or not, right? We presume it's in continuity, but we really don't know. Um, Vince. Of the four books, which is the one that's uh, most tickling your fancy? Oh, I mean, how can you not say Young Justice? But but I know you guys are going to say that, so I'm just going to say Wonder Twins because Mark Russell's the the it factor there. Yeah. I mean that's mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite writers, and I think I've said on the show before that I, I wish I wished he would do more um, work with DC Comics superhero characters versus. You know he's been off in the Hanna Barbera thing, and um, occasionally they occasionally they get him to do a story here and there in that world. And right. I just like the sensibility he brings, and I want to see that more present across the board at DC. And so I'm 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 really hyped about that. See, I expect you to say Dial H. Well, I mean, there's there's no China Miavel here, so yeah, that's. But but you're right. That's exciting too. Yeah, yeah. I it'll mean, be it'll be different. Yeah, it, I I think your interest in that Dial H had to do with the creator, the and very the specific. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, this this is probably but, going to be a more classic Dial H for hero. I think. Right, right. But like the art teams on these books oh. too are insanely good. Yeah, uh, I mean Joe Quinones is legitimately a great artist and doesn't do that much DC. Mm-mm. I think the last the doesn't last do much did. at all, really. Does I remember the last thing? Well, maybe not the last thing. Didn't he do that? Um, uh, Black Canary Zatanna OGM, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, which was excellent, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else has he done since then? Um, I... you see, you see him pop up here and there for like a like. I'm pretty sure he did the art in a in a like a. DC Holiday Special or something. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, something like that. Um, and he does he does a lot of covers too. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and then I know we've said that we think. Oh, you know we haven't we haven't mentioned really the team from oh, the Young yeah. Justice book. Not not the team, not the art team, but it appears it's uh, Connor, Superboy, Impulse, Tim Drake, Robin. Looks like we have Cassie in there. Looks like we have, um, and, and, and we just had Connor in like the nineties, uh, leather jacket, uh, you know, era. Um, anybody else we spot there? Um, there, there are a lot of like non powered looking people that we're unsure of. Like, I don't know who that person riding the motorcycle is. The person swinging off of Tim's little rope line, yeah. and then the person kind of below Bart who looks like she's, like, flying. Yeah. We don't know who they are. Yeah. 
I presume one of those is Naomi. Probably. But we don't we don't know more about that. If all these books are launching in January, which we don't know yet, those solicits should be out in about a week and a half. Oh, one of them is probably Jenny Hex. Oh, yeah, we know that uh, Jenny Hex, like the great-great-great-great-granddaughter Jonah Hex, is on the Teen Titans team as well. Yes. I mean, that's a pretty solid team. I said yeah. Teen Titans. I meant Young Justice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I'm wondering, if this is in continuity, two things. Okay. One, will we see Bendis introduce Connor in the Superbooks first? And two, if Bendis has been playing in recent continuity as well as he has been, is this going to play in any into the um, the Super Sons of Tomorrow crossover that feature oh. Connor and and Cassie from the future? Yeah, interesting, yeah. Yeah. And and Gleason was also involved with that as a writer. Yeah, on Superman, you're right. So, I wonder. That's really interesting. Yeah. Now they didn't. They looked differently. You know, like. But they were future versions. They were like aged. Yeah. Up. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're not. Yes. Yep. I I know what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I hadn't even considered that. Really, man. It, it, the possibilities are pretty endless. If it, if it is in continuity, there are tons of ties for them to go to. If it's out of continuity, then they can literally do anything, which yeah. is exciting. So this is a great announcement. I think. Yeah, and this is sort of the only one DC's made this con. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, aside from a couple of little things here and there, I know Jeff Johns revealed some new Doomsday Clock art and some Shazam art, but that's not really the same as yeah, yeah. as something of this caliber. We say this as a Friday. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're this Friday night. Yeah, I would think the big announcements are probably done. I th- I think usually they don't they bury stuff on Saturday and Sunday, or it's little things here and there. Yeah. Um, oh. I I just uh, one more reason why I think this might be in continuity is just because, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, pretty much none of these characters are really being used right now. And so it no. makes me it makes me think that if this was out-of-continuity stuff, you might see, like, an out-of-continuity alt version of a character that we see all the time. Mm-hmm. But because he's Beast all, Boy, or, you know... Yeah. Because he was part of that Young Justice team, or... Uh, right. I'm trying to think of somebody else who's currently being used... Just anyone, or right. even like an alternate Batman, or you right, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like, but these are all characters that nobody's doing anything with, right? Being and Bendis is allowed to use them now. You could argue that well, he can do whatever he want he wants with them out of continuity, but it also isn't confusing then because they're not in some other book, right? Yeah. But at the same time, that that's all the more reason why these can count because no one else is doing anything with them. Right. DC hasn't approved them for anyone else. Yeah. So that that leads me to believe that that there's a better chance than not that these are in continuity. What I am really curious about now that we're talking this through is I wonder if... So, like, you know, one of the benefits of bringing Bendis into the Superbooks was he was able to incorporate so many interesting things that we've seen as of late without, like, getting rid of, uh, 
Like it's like he's using John and Lois in a kind of unique way. He's using modern continuity, and who, to me, when I think of Tim in modern continuity, I think of um, Harper Rowe, uh-huh. and I just hope that he doesn't ignore some of like the Harper Rowe stuff, or even just like the relationship that Tim has with um, Steph Brown, with yeah. Steph, or with Cass, or with um, Signal. Like I think that all those characters, I just hope that Bendis doesn't cloister them in their own like little you know universe here and not let them interact with those other characters i think bendis has the ability to not, I, i'm not i'm not saying that harper only's been the team i just think that there needs to be some acknowledgement of sort of who this tim is and what tim's been doing for the last x amount of years mm-hmm. right does, does that make sense yeah 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 I, which i think was like one of my first concerns on this was like looking to see if steph was in the artwork and yeah. she doesn't seem to be. We should also mention that there was some flack given initially because there are no female creators yeah. uh, within this and that is an absolute legitimate piece of criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Bendis in general has always first of all he, I, I think he's well known for writing female characters pretty well but also he's he's been a great eye for talent and bringing in people and I think you know there, there are rumors like Kelly Sue coming to DC was really precipitated by Bendis coming back to DC. And so I'm hoping that Bendis will use his clout to bring more female creators in. And I wish they were on this line, but they're not. Yeah. I well said. Else, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, no, that's... Any other New York Comic Con stuff? Um, you were close enough to Bendis to smell him. Yeah, he smelled good. Um, smelled good. Um, seemed in good spirits. It's crazy how much weight he's lost. I yeah I never had a good sense of that before yeah oh, okay um but yeah yeah it's been fun it has been yeah it's been really fun I was saying to uh, my wife my, my wife, wife before that you I guys think our re- timing was worse on that I think so too <laughs> yeah. yeah that was weird um, that you guys have ruined your comic con for me I don't want to do it without you guys again <laughs> and so you gotta come back every year where I'm just gonna stop going because this is too much fun. To uh, to give up on yeah so, yeah. Well, hound, hound us again in ten months. Or I, so. will. <laughs> I will, I uh, will. So anyway, we're gonna talk about five DC books today, and then we're gonna talk about our top ten, our current top ten, which is a wild list, I think, <laughs> from all of us. I think there's gonna be some some fisticuffs thrown and. Uh, some beer spilled. Zach's eyeing me up like, I can't wait to punch that fucker in the face. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, let's, um, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just watching Dark Side drink some, like a cup of coffee out of a goblet. <laughs> he truly is. Yeah. He truly is. Did you know Burger King coffee tastes just the same <laughs> as uh... who was BK Joe? <laughs> BK Joe is. show again when we're not in all the same room. <laughs> That's true. We, is, we have to fly in every week. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, this is a standing, uh, you guys need a, a standing private charter every week. 
I mean, we switch locations. I come to you guys sometimes. Okay. All right. So, so should we start right. with the Witching Hour? Let's do it. All right. So Wonder Woman Justice League, the Witching Hour, number one, written by James Tynan the fourth, illustrated by Jesus Moreno. This is a, a rather long book. I, I didn't realize it was a. It took thirty-two pages of story, and it. It somewhat recaps the first three issues of Justice League Dark, which I wish it didn't do, but I understand that because it is the first issue of a crossover, you have to give somebody who maybe isn't reading that book, but is reading Wonder Woman, a chance to, uh, you know, to catch up on the story a little bit. But was I the only one who felt it was a little bit recap-heavy? No, I thought the same thing. I, I thought it... I actually didn't think it was that bad. Um, there, there was a little bit of it, for sure. Especially, mostly just the events of the last issue, really. Yeah. Um, which maybe makes that a little bit worse because we literally just read that issue last week. Last yeah. week, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very recent, but perhaps someone didn't read that issue. Maybe someone who's just reading Wonder Woman, since she does get first billing in this, right? Well, this um, is something that DC's doing a lot now with their um, crossovers, where the first issue is called Wonder Woman Justice League Dark: The Witching Hour. And the last issue is called Justice League Dark Wonder Woman The Witching Hour. Which is a terrible naming convention. It is. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. You should just pick one and have number one and number two, or even do something like Marvel does with like Alpha and Omega, or something like a clear beginning Or even like an end. back in the 90s, the super books would have the corner, yes. like the box with the number of it, so you knew what order to read it in, like, you know. Yeah. Yes, like some, like that. I, I feel horrible for someone who tries to catch up on these, like, next month or something like right. picks them yeah. all up i mean not i don't feel horrible it's not the end of the world but <laughs> it might be if you read them in the wrong order who maybe knows who knows and it's true the magic would would react differently yeah um so what do you guys think of this of this issue overall uh, I'll, I'll go first <laughs> um i thought this was just okay i didn't think this was as strong as the first three issues have been um, and maybe it was just due to the length. Uh, I felt like it felt spread a little thin. I felt like the conflict was a little less interesting. Um, the the one thing that really kind of did strike me as like very unsettling and menacing is how we have this... Um, so the book sets up this whole mythology about how there is this um, kind of witch queen that lived on Themyscira and cursed Diana and is apparently like cursed a lot of other people mm -hmm. and she can kind of just go around and make people forget things which is kind of really a really frightening concept like when you think about it yeah and the way it's like portrayed in the book is really unsettling um especially like in the scene with the justice league i think yeah how they just basically go from like being concerned to being like this who's is getting, this is fine. So who's getting dinner? Like, yeah, you know, just, you know, very casual about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with what Zach said. I think, I think the book really did pick up towards the end mm -hmm. when I you agree. when you got um, Swamp Thing back involved and uh, and uh, Detective Chimp, which, by the way, the, the Detective Chimp. Uh, Swamp Thing stuff was hilarious. Yes, Swamp Thing's leaving mulch all over the under the hall of justice and and bobo's rightly grossed out by it um that was funny well the mulch is also himself right it's just like <laughs> right, yeah. yeah right right um 
And, yeah, so it really picked up towards the end, I thought. Uh, but I, I do agree, like, not as not as interesting as those first three incredibly creepy, inventive issues of Justice League Dark itself. Yeah, and part of that is just the reality of having, like, they use the Justice League as the convention to tell the audience what's happening, and that just doesn't work that well most of the time. It's just, it, it comes off as dull and, and talky, where they could be showing, or they could be, you know, just advancing the plot more. Yeah. Although one thing I'll say about, so I agree with that from like a structural standpoint and from a from an execution, but I'm really appreciating more and more, the more that I read it, uh, Tynion's, uh his dialogue's gotten better. His prose during, like, the narration bits is a lot stronger than than it was when he first came on the scene. I feel like we say this all the time, but it's worth repeating, like, how much he's grown as a writer. Go a long way since Talon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Was he on Talon? Or no, yeah, that was, yeah, he co-wrote Talon with Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tim Seeley took it over. How That's many issues true. did Talon la- last? Uh, uh, Talon lasted several issues. I want to say, like, <laughs> maybe... It was late teens, early I w- 20s. I want to say at least 18, maybe. I, yeah. I need an exact number from Zach Wilkerson. Gosh. Oh. It didn't get a Villains Month issue... But it that doesn't necessarily a, mean anything because not all books did. It did get a zero issue, so at least. But it started with a zero issue. Oh, you're right, because it was part of the second, or second third wave. Yeah, it started with a zero issue. Um, I know that Snyder was on it at least up through issue. It was either six or eight, and then as co-writer, as co-writer, then Tynion wrote it a little bit by himself. I want to say that Seely took over at least. Like 13 or 14. Yeah, and then I think it was over by... I'm going to guess 17. 17. You looking it up? I'm looking it up. Um, but anyway, the uh, the opening pages of this, where it is a lot of recap... Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's recap heavy, but I also think the the prose in that is, is kind of... Um, beautiful in some parts i think you know you got it i got it 17 man you're you're good damn i don't know how he does it folks um yeah i think the prose is really well written and i think his sense of humor is really getting dialed down you know not dialed down but like uh, tightened you know like absolutely um like the stuff i already mentioned with detective chimp but also the recurring joke about uh, Ted Cord complaining yes. about but monitor duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just little touches like that. This is really starting to the the DC universe in comics is really starting to feel again like it's this place with established personality. You know, they're not worried about establishing like with the New Fifty Two. You had to establish everybody's personality again. Right. You know. And even a little bit post-rebirth, you had to do that. But I feel like we're getting to a point where, okay, we understand all these personalities and we're just going with it. And we can start to tell stories in different ways that aren't like, 
origins of faux origins. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this too. I feel like Ted Cord is somebody who hasn't been around that much, and so for them to do that with Ted Cord implies a certain knowledge of that character that was take that was not taken for granted for the last five or six years. Like it's been a long time since they name dropped a character who's as minor as Cord has been and expected the audience to understand the joke. Yeah. And that's a really good thing. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Marino's art. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I think he too has come a long way. This is some of his best work, I think. Yeah. I still think it's probably going to not be... Like, when you compare it to the Emmanuel Lupacchino stuff that's coming, it's, it's going to look lesser in comparison. But I think the Jesus Marino is doing, if not the best work of his career, pretty close to it here. His Upside Down Man was creepy. Um, I felt he handled the Themyscira stuff all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I actually think that that sequence was maybe one of the best sequence of the book. It felt somewhat reminiscent of... Um, who uh, who was the other artist who did Rucka, who worked on Rucka's One Real Man? Yeah. Nicola okay. Scott? Yes. Yes, it felt reminiscent of Nicola Scott. Yep. To me. The colors helped with that, too. Yeah, it did. Which I think it was um, Romulo... Romulo Fajardo. Yeah, Jr. I think yeah. so. Am I, am I mistaken? No, that's right. You okay. got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. Remember, the, the first time I ever saw Marino, I think... Was on the George Perez New Fifty Two relaunch of Superman. I think. Yeah. He was around a little bit pre New Fifty Two as well. I think. Okay, I'm but not I, sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I saw that. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, but I thought that in the Superman book back then, his work came off as a little dated. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and some of that might have been his writing partner. Oh, certainly, yeah. certainly, certainly. But regardless, like, the, this is not dated. You know, for any, any criticisms you would have about this art, it's not dated. This looks Agreed. like a modern DC comic. Yeah. You know? It feels of its time. Yeah. Anything else to say about this? Um, I'm pretty interested in this crossover in general, though. I agree. Even if I felt maybe a little bit more lukewarm warm on this issue compared to the other issues in the series. I'm usually not so into having a crossover this early in a book. Mm-hmm. That feels like a much more Marvel thing to do. Yeah, I'll agree with that, yeah. Um, but I think this is a good use since Wonder <laughs> Woman is like such, a, such an important part of the book um, to have a crossover. Yeah. We're watching the Bizarro Justice League of Super Friends. Um, so yeah, I think this is good. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so next up is Nightwing number 50, written by Benjamin Percy, illustrated by Chris Mooneyham, and uh, somebody else on this too, right? Uh, Travis Moore, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I see. Because the front cover does not yeah. say. So it's it's um, Travis Moore, Chris Mooneyham, and Klaus Janssen are okay. listed as artists. Okay. Um, this is the last issue of Ben Percy. It was not written 
to be the last issue, but Scott Lovedell is taking over with 51. And this takes place after Dick is shot in the head at the end of Batman 55. Five. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I have very strong opinions on this in just about every way. Zach, I'm guessing you do as well. Vince, I know you do as well. This book sucks. <laughs> it, um, okay. Artistically, it's still very good. That's the, that's the best thing I can say about it, because it does look really good. Especially, I'm thinking those opening pages are Travis Moore, is that right? He's he's listed first in the arts credits, and I, I, that doesn't look like um, no. John Romita, so it has to be it is, yeah. Travis Moore. It is. Yep. Yeah. Um, is he John Romita? Yeah, because that's what Chris Mooneyham looks like. Oh, he's good. He's good. Chris. He's good. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot we dubbed him that. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Um. So that 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 section looks really really good. Um, and the colors are great. Dick is Justin Bieber, though. Well, I was going to say, my, my one problem with that is that he looks nothing like Dick Grayson. The character in this book, like, I have shaved well, my head many times. The shaved head character doesn't. The one panel we see where he has hair, I would say he does. Yes. Yeah, but like, you know, I've shaved my head many, many times, and I don't, my whole facial structure and skin tone doesn't change. I wish he looked like, like current hobo Justin Bieber. <laughs> like if that's what if that was like the status quo that came out of this, I would I would be down that's with that. Weird request, but okay. Sure. <laughs> you guys brought up Bieber. I don't know, um, but yeah, this is weird. This is a weird book. Uh, you're mispronouncing garbage, but okay. <laughs> um, Vince, what do you think? Yeah, I hated this. Um, I hated it for so many reasons, but I think, I think, Brian, you're probably going to talk about the kind of character that Dick is, so I'm going to stay away from that. Okay. Um, but I just think that, that if you think about what's going on in the DCU right now, there's this weird, I'm hoping and praying, even though I'm a godless heathen, that, uh, this is some sort of dark fall before the ultimate rise post-Rebirth, because when Rebirth started out, it was all this stuff about returning characters to their classic forms, Uh um, restoring characters that had been lost, creating hope. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's always going to be rosy, and we understand that. You have to create conflict, and of course, that's a, you know, there can be a lot of darkness at DC Comics. And then also hope to rise above that. And I just think, like, between the darker extreme turn for Damien's Teen Titans and the the Roy stuff uh, and the, the Wally stuff... Don't you, uh, yeah, it doesn't... King has it out for the original Teen Titans. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and then also the... Red Hood, the, the Jason the, stuff. The Jason Todd... How he's become a darker ver you know, after a redemption arc, essentially. Yes. You know, he had been somewhat redeemed in Scott Labdell's uh the first part of his run. And now we're in this part where he's like doubling down on being an asshole. 
And now Dick, they're essentially doing the same thing with him. And they're doing it in the cheesiest way possible. First of all, it's not who Dick is, which, Brian, I know you're, you're, you're big on that. But, like, even if they're going to make him a little bit darker, like, they've got him doing an underground boxing match. They've got him driving recklessly as a, a Lyft driver or whatever. Yeah. They've got him playing cards and sh- hustling pool. You know, it's like a 80s you idea. It the roadhouse yeah. version of uh, being cool. Yeah, the, yeah. The, road, the 80s roadhouse idea of what people think is cool and badass, you know. And it's just so, it's, it's kind of, it's tone deaf to me. And it's unneeded in a DC universe where it feels like this is happening to a lot of characters. Whether they're getting killed or they're getting changed in fundamental ways to make them darker, you know? It's it's a really bleak thing that's happening across the board. And if it is like a like a, like a fall before some sort of rise in the post rebirth DC, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that it's an orchestrated effort because these things all feel like they're being done independently and yet to create an overall feeling of grimness in the DCU. So I've been thinking about this for a little while now, and we we heard some some gossipy stuff yesterday, Vince, while we were at New York Comic Con, about maybe Jeff Johns not being as um, in favor at DC as he once was. We heard heard some gossip about that, that, you know, that maybe there's some some, some negative uh, feelings there. (laughs) Zach is giving me a death stare. I'm not saying a source or anything, but, you know, we heard that. And Rebirth was his baby. And it seems to me like since maybe six months ago or so, we're starting to see the books lean more in a New 52 type tone in terms of what's been happening. And the Dio and Lee were the drivers behind the New 52. And so maybe this is just a reaction of the Dio and Lee being now just not co-publishers, just publishers, and Jim Lee being the chief creative officer of DC. Maybe this is the tone that they want for the books. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, we're being censored now. Um... <laughs> no. First of all, first of all, uh, I... I Dan DiDio is being on the door upstairs. I hear him. Um... Let me up, guys. What the hell are you talking about down there? That's just totally funny. I still <laughs> look. Look, we all love Jeff Johns. No. um... No, first of all, I first of all, I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's controversial to say that he, that like he was he stepped out or was removed from the CCO position. Like that's not you know yeah that's not a crazy thing to say. Right. Zach. It's I I'm I'm you're right. You were correct. Anyway, um, but no, Vince, you you kind of hinted at this too. Just the idea of Dick being a different type of character. Like what I think is great about DC and what can be great about the Bat books in particular is that there are enough characters who all serve certain purposes and I understand the desire to buck that trend now and then and you want to give people a Dick Grayson story that doesn't feel like a Dick Grayson story I totally understand that but you know Vince you interviewed uh, Marguerite Bennett expertly yesterday (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you you talked about her Batgirl 25 story with, with Dick and Babs together, and I feel like that did such a wonderful job of showing sort of who, who the essence of those characters are, and 
I just don't understand why you would want to fuck with the essence of a character. That seems to me like the quickest way to... Like, there are ways to make Dick dark without doing this to him. Yeah. I think if Dick saw... Like, I mean, we saw it in Seeley's run. What was his girlfriend's name? Um, oh, I forgot about her. Yeah. We'll never see her again. <laughs> no, she's done. Yeah. What if she saves him? She won't. She won't save him. Because... Oh, finish your point. Um, but what was her... She was the the artist. The, yeah, uh, she was a graffiti girl. Yeah, we'll call the her prankster. Girl. She wasn't the prankster. The tagger. She wasn't. That's not it either. Uh, something to do with Zach is lit right now. Yeah. Spray paint. Spray, what was spray painter? <laughs> the spray painter. Yeah, the sprayer. The sprayer. Gosh, so, what was her name? Was it another bird name? It was another bird name because she was with <laughs> Banksy. Yeah, Banksy. So when he was a bank set, um, you know, we saw like he thought she was she thought they were pregnant and then she wasn't, and you saw Dick like grieve that decision and you know they broke up and Dick grieved that. There's a way to make that character have a have more pathos or have a more serious and less joyous tone without compromising who he is. I mean. Here, he's just... There's nothing about this character that is Dick Grayson at all. So, yes, all of that. Re-Marguerite Bennett's wonderful Batman 25 story. Batgirl 25. Batgirl 25 story. Um, I feel like the chance that that was written with the knowledge of what was coming is probably slim. But, sure. but sure. I do think that it positions, especially in light of how Babs is used in this issue, it positions her really well to be his, like, redemption again. I don't think he needed a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I hate, this is, like, the will-they-won't-they they kind of drama that I hate in superhero everything. Um, like, we had a great story where they had a thing, they had a great moment. They weren't even, like, set up as a couple, even. Right. But this, like, drives a wedge between them, and now we have to get rid of that wedge. And I'm not saying that that's where it's going, but it seems like it could go there. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, but... I don't, part of this is going to depend on how long this particular status quo for, for Dick lasts. You yes. know, obviously if this is like a one arc thing, but it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes you can smell that, you know? Yeah. And I'm not smelling it right now. I'm smelling something else because Zach is sitting next to me. and is <laughs> That's a joke about our proximity, folks. Zach, smelling Southern charm. Zach smells wonderful. He smells like, like bourbon and, and cinnamon pancakes. Um, it smells like Twitter, man. <laughs> I'm looking for the news that's coming out at, yeah, t- sure at 10 p.m. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Those hot, hot I'm sorry, I'm a product out. of my... Of... You're Gen Z, I get it. Exactly. Um, no, I'm not. I'm a millennial. <laughs> I know. Uh, um... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, 
I just think that this is so unappealing too. You know, like if you you could do you could do a you know even if it's a one arc thing and he's back to Dick Grayson in a few months, it's still just like an unappealing take on any character. You brought up the New Fifty Two, Brian. This, I think I said this about Red Hood too. Red 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 Hood's like revival issue where he's it's just uh, Red Hood outlaw. And this are, they both feel like number one issues of the New 52. If you were going to relaunch Red Hood in the New 52, or relaunch Nightwing in the New 52, and do it a different way from the way you did it before, these feel like that. That's pretty prescient, yeah. These feel like, this feels like voodoo number one. (laughs) With apologies to (laughs) Josh... Oh, Ron Mars, oh, Ron Mars. Issue, that's yeah. right, you're right. Yep. Did yep. he just do the first issue? No, he did the, like the first arc or something. Okay. Didn't yeah. Well, didn't that wasn't that an eight issue book? Wasn't that one of the first canceled? Or did it make it to twelve? You would know. Did it get a zero issue? Oh, <laughs> okay. Hang on. The, when the second wave came out, I believe it was five books that came replaced them. It was six books that got canceled. <laughs> so I forgot we had the Rain Man of the Vegas here. You know. I'm pretty sure. We had Ben Stein's money over here. Yeah. Oh, right, wait, so it might have just been four. It was, it was OMAC, Terrific. Uh, Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Minute War. Um, it honestly might have just been those four. I was going to say, the, the new books that started were Earth 2. Yeah. Um, Huntress and uh, World's Power Finest. Girl, World's Finest, GI Combat, yeah, and there's a fourth one. Yes, because there was. That's when they were really dogmatic about fifty two. <laughs> yeah, it out. was. Um... Gosh, what was that book? It wasn't. It wasn't Dial H. No, Dial H was the third wave. The third that, wave. That's right. Because that, that third wave issue. started with the zero issue. This is that really good stuff. I don't know where I got six. I think I must have been taking the average of four issue, four books that went eight issues. Yeah. That's how my number numbers brain works. Um, oh, no, no, no. It was Static Shock was canceled in the first. Oh, but it was six. And, I, and Blue Beetle. <gasps> it was. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys tried to gaslight me, but I was right. <laughs> Oh, man. We're not being too loud, are we? No, we're fine. Okay. Oh, man. Oh. Um, that's... Zach, you are a treasure. <laughs> you are a national treasure. Nick Cage has nothing on you. <laughs> oh, Nick, okay. Ga- Nick okay, Cage playing Spider-Man Noir and into the into the Spider-Verse in theaters this, 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 this holiday this season. season yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You want Okay, you want to know the new 52 second wave titles? Yes, yeah, yeah, please do. We, now, we, we said Earth 2... We said World's Finest. We said GI yeah, Combat. Because now there were six, right? Because, yeah. Because now... So so it was Dial H. Dial H, Dial okay. H was a part of that. Batman Incorporated. That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, well, there's one more. All right, you'll, give us, never, you'll never guess give it. Give us the, uh, the vaguest hint you can. Oh, man. Um, That's probably hard to do. I mean... How do I do this? The Young Justice 
Oh, oh, oh Ravagers. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the terrible Ravagers book. That's right. I almost said Team 7, but that was the next one. That was the next one. Yeah, See, I yeah. thought Dial H was in that third, but... Now I want to know what was the third. Well, talk amongst yourselves and I'll look it up. Okay, no, okay, okay. exactly. Let's see if we can figure this out. So it was... Um, I just said Team 7. Uh-huh. It was... Um, Gosh, I really have no oh, idea. Oh, could this have been Threshold? Or is this no, I think threshold, threshold was later. I honestly think like Threshold came as like a uh, by itself, maybe even um, Justice JLA wasn't in the third wave, was it, or was it by itself? Oh, it might have been. I think it was later, though. I think it was later too, because that was when they did. The, there was really only three waves. After that, it was After all that staggered. Was, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um. Man, do you have them, Vince? Not yet. Uh, I don't even know how you locate this. On Wikipedia, they have it by wave. Yeah. Um, keep, uh, yeah. Keep, keep on keeping. Do you want to talk about, do you want to go back to Nightwing and talk about that a little bit more while he looks this up? I got it. Okay. Oh, he's yeah. got it. Okay, what are you saying now? Are we... He said Team 7 was 1. Team 7 is 1. Um, should I say Should I say there are 4? I, knew, okay, I, yeah, I yeah. think I knew that, but since you already said oh, it, wait, I can't. Wait, what was canceled to get those those four though? Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Okay, uh, um, Talon was one of those. Voodoo team, was one of Team oh, Seven and Talon. Yeah. Oh, because these were the ones who came in as zero books. Yes. Um. Um. Uh, but, 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 but but canceled was Voodoo. Yep. Yeah, that was one. Canceled was um um one of my least favorite New Fifty. Justice International. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Cancelled was um, one of my two least favorite New Fifty Two books. We've talked about this many times. Oh, what were they? Um, man, do you guys remember that wild Justice League International one shot with yeah, the video and, jo- and John's did? Yeah, that was and like good tangent. Okay, um. One of your two least favorite of the two books? Yeah. Wait, did we say Blue Beetle was canceled in the first wave? Because I thought it was in the second wave. In that, no, it was I thought in it was the first wave. It, it only went it eight the, issues? It was in the first wave. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so we have two, right? We have Voodoo and... Uh, JLI. JLI. We have... Um, this is that real good content. This is, this is that <laughs> this sweet, is, sweet yeah. Our Our... our Deep nutso listeners are gonna love this. <laughs> hey, Rich, what's up? We met a fan today, guys. Yeah, it was great. He's the best. He's he was best. very, he was very nice. We like all our fans, but but Rich is number one. He's... Yeah. Um. Gosh. Give me a hint. How do I not I mean, remember I gave this? You, I gave you. How a do hint. I not? It's one of my least favorite. Well, we're talking about canceled ones now, not the ones yeah. that came on. Yeah. I got to remember what the zero issues were. <laughs> it's the the. Oh wait. wait. Was Justice was DC Universe oh, oh, presents Batman Dark Knight? No, that went later. DC Universe presents that was not here. No, oh, that no, lasted that, that that like that longer than yeah. I thought. You're right. Yeah. Okay, was it Batman the Dark Knight? No, nope. that went longer. Um, that went like at Grifter. Least... No, nope. Grifter oh. went longer. Grifter, Grifter went and Hawkman. I knew Hawkman. Life felt came on Grifter and Hawkman. I thought Grifter those books forever. That's okay. Grifter went far longer than you would think, and so did Deathstroke. Can you tell us what their category was? Oh, like, man. do you remember? Was it like, Edge? Was was it, were it, they uh, both Edge books? Young Justice, or were they Dark books? I honestly, don't remember that about this character. This character, yeah, it's a single character title. 
don't remember. Yeah, they just tell us. Tell just us. tell us. Just tell us. Captain Adam. Oh, I hated that Captain. That Adam. was bad. Yeah, I believe that bad. was the Justice League category. Okay, I didn't know that that was. So that yeah. was the third. That was the third. What was the fourth? There's one more. I I can't remember. Phantom Strain. Oh no, no, sorry. Oh. I just gave away one of the. That was one of those one one new ones. Resurrection Man. Oh, oh, that's right. Abnett, yeah. Abnett and Lanning. One okay, of their, so Phantom Stranger starts. So was was uh, Pandora the other one that started, or no, was that Pandora later? Was way later. That started when um, when Trinity War started. Yes. So you got Talon, Phantom Stranger, and Team Seven now. There's yeah. One more. I don't. More. I don't think you're gonna get it. It wasn't Threshold. No. No, that was later. Um, this was a book that I liked. I didn't think it was one of the best, but I liked it. Can you give us any kind of hint that doesn't um, give it away? The artist, well, the artist on one of the stories, Larflees. No, that was later. Is, no, that was is, in that was in Threshold. Is a guy that Brian begs on a lot, and and I kind of defend him. Oh, oh, Amethyst. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, sort of, sort of. Aaron Lepresti, that book was good. Yeah, I I like that, that book one. was re- that was Aaron Lepresti's best work. That yeah. book also only <laughs> lasted until Wonder Woman Conan. <laughs> that book only lasted eight. No, it, that book wasn't good. <laughs> Wonder Woman Conan was very bad. The art was good. No, it wasn't. Um, if you go back and look <laughs> yeah. at Amethyst, it was really good. But Amethyst also only lasted eight issues, if I believe. And if I recall, the last. Backup stories were about Beowulf, and they were real bad. Yeah, yep. beer makes Zach manic. If you notice. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you ready for another one? No, it's social. It's social. You ready for another one? No, I'm good. I'm oh, come a, on. I'm a one beer boy. Oh, boo. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, anything else about Nightwing or the New Fifty Two? I mean, uh, but, the, but the ultimate point is that, like... This, is, this that, comic is bad. Yeah, and, and what... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, my question... The question that I want to end on with Nightwing is... Nightwing 50 is... To, to what... Who wants this? Who is looking for this kind of story? Comte. <laughs> what? Tom King. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You were saying a sex thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, y- y- I mean, yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. But like, I can't, I can't imagine a reader wanting to read this story about Dick Grayson. Well, I Anyone? Can. I can. You can. To me, this is like this is the dark. Um, like there are fans who want who want their stories to be as dark and gritty as possible. And but they want Dick to call himself Rick because he can can't remember convenient parts of his history. Like, what what is it? It doesn't even make sense. I don't disagree with that part of it, but I think that there are people for whom this was entirely too, uh, you know, just who the who rebirth is entirely too um, undermined. Well, as I said, there's a whole group of readers who feel like Rebirth is too perfect, too happy, not gritty and dark enough. So I think this is a reaction against that. But, like, then do a grifter book. What, I, are they, I, are they hoping to, like, are they hoping to maintain enough of Nightwing's audience that they're going to piss off just out of habit to get these other people? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like... 
I, I can't imagine the the way that this story is told, the specific way that it's executed has me seeing people I'm 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 literally hearing people calling up their comic book shops and dropping it. Really? Not literally figuratively well i understand you know what i mean it's actually i i've read that it's actually the 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 use of literal as a like is accepted as a modifier has like existed for centuries and it's only been in like the past like century or so that it's become a hang-up issue isn't that interesting i read that since the dawn of the podcast probably yeah yeah um (laughs) i put it on episode of the night the flash series okay um but yeah, I, Vince. I hope you're right. I hope that the the audience is going to clamor for this. Uh, not that's going to clamor against this and say "fuck this, we don't want this." But I just don't see that happening. It yeah. it would be interesting to. There will not be the online people writing articles about the outrage for this that there were for like the bat wedding. I don't think. Yeah, we would have already seen it. We haven't seen it yet. That's true. That's true. We we need to talk at some point about why Tom King hates the like original era of Teen Titans, those characters. Yeah, I feel like that's a you know, that's something that people say about Didio too, right? Like yeah. oh Didio just wanted to kill. Well they, they say it's specifically about uh Grayson with right. Didio. Is this the Sandman? Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. This show's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, let, let's move on to Justice League number nine, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Um, this issue takes us inside the Hall of Justice quarters, and uh, I think it's pretty fun. You know, Vince, before speaking to Zachariah, said to Scott Snyder it was one of our favorite issues of the year. You know, just, just putting words in our in our damn mouths. <laughs> it's pretty bold. Um... But I, ours is in the the, the site. Okay, sure. <laughs> I, which yeah. is me. He's gonna. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now you have to list that as your like favorite single issue of the year. It probably is one of them anyway. Yeah. Whoa! Tell us why, buddy. Well, what have we been talking about with not only Scott Snyder's run of Justice League or comics in general, but at DC? That we wish we would have more of those issues where they play baseball or something, you know? Okay. <laughs> I'm yelling at Zach for laughing at something on Twitter. He's, he's laughing at you, not on Twitter. Oh, okay. I'm, what am I saying that's funny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but really, like, we, we talk about this all the time, right? That, like, where's the episode where... Uh, you know, the Justice League ha- has dinner or or plays volleyball or some right, shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's just a, a stand-in for whatever, you know, we're not fighting against the end of the world type thing, you know? And we always talk about that one issue of, of John's Justice League from the New 52 where it was roster recruitment time, you know? Right, yeah. And this is like that style of issue. And it's not just that it's that style of issue that makes this so good automatically, but there's so much care and like heart and thought put into this. So one half of it is Superman rebuilding the moon after they destroyed it. Uh-huh. And destroying the moon is like, that's 
there's an implied finality to that. Like, the moon is a big deal, you know? Right. And so then there's a lot of, like, especially with the way that the issue ends, um, uh, th- that is rebirth in a nutshell to me, if we're still going on this rebirth path. That, like, yeah, we destroyed the moon, but look, Superman put it all back together, right. you know? And, and we can move on, you know? And then the other half of the issue was moving through the Hall of Justice, seeing everybody's individual rooms that they've created, uh, Wonder Woman trying to figure out what kind of room she's going to have. And through that, we're given all this insight into these characters. Like, Jon Stewart's room looks like this because he's a military man who only needs this, this, uh, cot minimalist space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, Hot Girls is this big, expansive museum-like thing because uh, she's got m- multiple histories, that, and if she doesn't have the artifacts, she may lose a tether to it, you know? Just this beautiful idea of, of these heroes as icons, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... How Superman's is see-through. People want to see what he... Like, it's glass, so they can see what he's doing at all times. And, yeah. You know, and they're like pictures of his family. Yeah, and, it basically yeah. looks like an office cubicle that he would have at the Daily Planet, you know? Yeah. And how, like, the Flash has a laboratory because he can run to his apartment. So he doesn't need quarters there the way that other people do. Like, there, you know, there's a lot of thought put into each character's quarters. There mm-hmm. really, really are. There really was, you know, a lot of care put into that. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I loved it. Not only was it the type of issue that I've wanted to see for a while, but I think it was a really well thought out and executed and beautiful looking. Again, Jorge Jimenez, yeah, yeah, unimpeachable talent there. So, I mean, do you guys disagree? Did I put words in your mouth or? I think it's a very good issue. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Uh, I think it's a very good issue, but I haven't thought about it in like, that context, yes. It just, it just, uh, I don't disagree that it's a very good issue. I also feel like issues like this run the risk sometimes of feeling a little forced. And while I think that, like, the conversation about between Arthur and Diana about what Diana's quarters are going to be felt very natural. Is it the I blind guy from Becker? Uh,. I was going to say, is it the guy from PCU? Yes. Um, but the, uh, again, we're coming from the Flash, folks. Episode, uh... This is the thing we're not supposed justice. to do yeah, where we talk about things that aren't on, yeah. on This the, is a special occasion. This is this a special occasion. occasion. Yeah. Um, we can no, what I was gonna pause say is on like, all the, all the O-faces. <laughs> not nut faces. faces. Not faces, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like some of the conversations about, like, when Arthur being like, you know, Diana, Bruce did this, and Clark did that, that felt a little bit maybe forced to me, but I liked all that stuff. So while I thought it was good, I did feel the issue was maybe a little bit forced in that way. All right, well, I was also trying to kiss a uh, friend of the show, Scott Snyder's butt. So. Of course you were. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say... I think that there have been issues in this Justice League series that I've personally liked more. But this is a very good series, as we'll get to <laughs> later in this episode yes, when we yes. discuss our top tens. Um, and I loved the... So, maybe I need to talk a little bit about the ending and make sure that the way I interpreted it was 
the okay. correct interpretation. Sure. Go for it. So it seems like the way I interpret it is it seems that um Bruce basically summoned these coronavores in what seemed to be like a similar manner to like stuff that's happening in Titans. Aliens that love big box Mexican beer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or uh songs by the Minutemen that served as the Jackass theme song. Yes. Both of those things are completely accurate to what happened in this comic. Yes. Just had to get that joke off. Um but it, was that is that what happened? Is yes. that how he summoned them? I believe so. I believe okay. so, yes. Okay, okay. And so now like Snyder's like implying this almost kind of like He's opened up this, like, can of worms for what these characters can kind of do Mm -hmm. in this, like, post-No-Justice universe, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I was thinking about No-Justice today when uh, Vince was interviewing Snyder. I feel like Snyder goes back to metal all the time as, like, metal is where all this crazy stuff started. And I feel like metal led to the New Age of Heroes stuff. Whereas I feel like No Justice led to this New Justice stuff. And I know the three of us, oh, they liked metal. We really enjoyed No Justice. Yeah. And I feel like I am way more invested in this stuff than I am the Batman Who Laughs, the New Age of Heroes stuff that that sort of spun out of metal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still clear. There's still clearly a through thread there. Yeah. Um,. Because metal caused no justice to happen. Right, right. That the whole like breakdown of the source wall and all of that stuff. Um. But yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, this, this is a very good issue. It is a really good issue. It's very good, and now, um, getting ready to move into Drowned Earth. Yeah, it's a solid, this is, I feel like most books should take, especially most twice-monthly books, should take this pause between arcs. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it's different if it's a monthly book, I feel like you, there's enough time between issues, but if you're if you're double-shipping, and you have just like arc after arc after arc, you can be a bit exhausting, having an issue like this does everybody good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I've been waiting for it, so... Yeah. Alright, that brings us over to Green Arrow number... I don't, my 45. PDFs are not working, so... Vince, who's the creative team on this? The Bensons and who drew it? The Bensons and Javi Fernandez. Okay. So we had hypothesized last week that perhaps uh, Heroes in Crisis was a simulation of some sort, and that this wasn't really happening... Well, if that's the case, then this issue takes place within that same simulation, which seems like a crazy leap. Aren't all comics basically just a simulation? Aren't we all living a simulation, man? Possibly. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Long rip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was my reaction when I opened this issue and, and saw what it was. Hold on. He's he's gonna fall off at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's taking a while. 
Do you guys remember that movie from maybe like the 80s or 90s with the mouse and the yodeling was a thing? What was that movie? No. Hold on. Google Mouse Yodel Movie. The yodeling Mouse Movie. Yeah. The, no, I... the mouse didn't yodel. Oh. <laughs> wait. 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 It's you gotta just... be your ball. <laughs> I thought having us in the same room would limit distractions, but we are just off the fucking rails, man. What was that movie? Yodeling movie. There was yodeling in the movie. I think it was maybe that... that The Yodeling Farmer. What was that movie? It was about a mouse that, like, a Yodel. kid had as a pet and it died. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had, like, some weird, like, callback to <laughs> a memory fragment in my head that you just dislodged with that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway... Yes, Brian, you're right. If this is, if, if, if Heroes in Crisis or whatever is going on at Sanctuary is some sort of simulation or exercise or something, it would be real fucking weird for people in the real world to react. Or for this story to be taking place somehow. Yes. Still within that simulation. And yet, would you wait, if it is that, would you waste an entire issue of somebody else's book on that? It depends, honestly, what the next issue is, I feel like. I feel like if it's one issue, and you're doing this to sell the... If you're doing this to essentially fleece the people like us who are gonna, who are saying this isn't really happening, then one issue is fine for that. If it's an entire arc, that's a different story. So I will say, I mean, I think I already said this, this book already kind of feels like the crossover book in a way because it's very much like spinning out of new justice um like green arrow is like very his his status quo is very heavily tied to that i he I, has the power to bring down the exactly justice and he almost tries to use it in this issue but martian manhunter stops him handily um i'm surprised this doesn't have like a sanctuary tie-in banner on top of it yeah which is weird because the solicit did yeah, it did say Heroes in Crisis tie-in. And I forgot that. And I was like, oh, DC sent this book this week. Like, they sent me a physical copy of it. I'm like, why is it like a random issue of, oh. <laughs> like, you know, then you remember why. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of the issue itself, Brian? Why don't you go? Okay, so I, I don't think that this was... I think this, this was about as good as this type of issue can be. It's I, I don't like this type of issue. I feel like every time... There's something like this. You get angry, insert character here, who's blaming, insert group of friends or well-wishers here. They always meet, insert new friend here, who who knew the character differently and causes the original character to look at things in a new light. It was just very formulaic. <laughs> and I think that Javi Fernandez is a much better artist I think he deserves much better than this to draw. This is not the most visually interesting book that he could have been assigned to. I mean, I thought it looked good. Yeah, but I but, but like I, I, I wish he was doing better, uh, different stuff. I, guess. I, I uh, 
I I kind of liked this issue. Like, for what it was. Like, I, I mean, like, I hate that Roy's dead. I did like that the Bensons kind of continued the thing that Ben Percy had started with the tribe. Mm -hmm. I thought mean, that was nice to see that new continuity stuff carried over. Yeah. Vince, what do you think? Um, I agree with you, Brian, when you say that this is kind of like the best way that an issue like this can shake out. I think it's real strange because because I do believe that you only do an issue like this for a death that's going to stick. For for a considerable amount of time, we right. know we know that no death sticks forever. What do you comics. define as considerable? Like, I'm talking like at least a couple of years. That's fair. You May know? I challenge that? Yeah, because there was that amazing silent issue of Batman and Robin after Damien died, and Damien was gone like a, a year tops. That's that's an yeah. even better point than I was gonna make because I was thinking about like post Infinite Crisis Connor stuff, and like he came back in two thousand and eight. Okay, but that was that was about two or three years time. But the yeah. Damien thing, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, and I think the Damien to that era of DC was way more important than Roy is to this era of DC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess what it comes down to for me, and it doesn't it doesn't mean they won't do it. You know, obviously, they make decisions in comics all the time that I don't think are good or that I don't agree with. But, like, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like you only do this issue if it's going to stick for Okay, that's lot. fair. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I feel like if we turn around in six months and Roy is back, then this issue feels cheaper then. What if he's good again? <laughs> well, it'll at least be eight months, because we've still got eight months left of Heroes yeah, in Crisis. Yeah, right. Keep reading. Yeah. Uh, um, um, it, I, you know, I do think that this issue works really well in terms of Green Arrow status quo with the Justice League nuke box. Yes. Um... Also offers a little bit of catharsis because all these reaction is essentially our reaction. Yeah. So last up is Deathstroke number thirty six. Thirty six. Mm -hmm. And who did that issue, Vince? Uh, Christopher Priest, uh, Ed Bennis. I I pronounce it like uh, Elaine Bennis, of course. Uh huh. Fernando Passerin. Uh huh. Um, and and that's it for art. So. Yeah. Um. This is the beginning of the Arkham uh, arc. That's what you say, Arkham arc. And uh, so we see Deathstroke in uh, in prison, and he's even though everybody tells him he shouldn't be seeing Wintergreen, he's still seeing Wintergreen. He's still um, communicating with him, and Wintergreen is seemingly feeding him information that he needs. Uh, it's a pretty weird issue, but. I thought it was a relatively intriguing start to this arc. So, what did you guys think? Zach, how did you start? I thought it was pretty darn good. Deathstroke's good again. <laughs> it was never not good. Yes, it was. For six issues, it was not very good. 
I think it's a little less good now. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness, the DC3 are coming to blows. <laughs> That's and we... it. I'm going to take this uh, toy playhouse and bash it over your head, Zach. <laughs> no, I thought this was so good. And like, I admit, I I was a little rusty. I feel like I need to go back since it's been so long since the book was readable even. Oh. Oh. Readable. Please. <laughs> I was a little foggy on how the last real arc ended. Jesus um, <laughs> Christ! Real arc. You're killing me. Uh, but I like I liked this a lot. I liked the 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 VR stuff was interesting. I liked the wintergreen stuff. I loved the stuff outside of Arkham with um, Rose. With, with Rose and and Joseph and um, and I <laughs> the ending was perfect. Um, I dug this a lot. Let's talk about the VR component for a second because that was really fun. Yeah. So essentially, what happens is um, there's a group therapy that happens at Arkham where. All the villains that are in the group are all all appear in therapy as they want to appear, essentially, like in their full regalia, and uh, you know, so the, it's all it's all VR based uh, therapy. Well, they're all in their cells. They're on their cells, yeah. you know. But but and like you know, Slade is not wearing his uniform, his costume in the cell rather, but in in the VR. He's carrying his sword and everything, you know. It was it was a really fun, different way to represent that. I've never seen that necessarily. I think it's a pretty new idea for Arkham. Mm-hmm. So Vince, why didn't you like this as much? Um, the, something that that I said at the end of the last good issue, which was the last issue before this one, <laughs> um, <laughs> the the ending of the Batman and Deathstroke arc was that uh, Christopher Priest was letting it all hang out by the end of that arc. Is you it know? the last day of the weekend? <laughs> Do you need some release? <laughs> or leave? Yes. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, just being... Playing up the tropes in the really fun way. Treating... A, a Batman Deathstroke story as somewhat of a soap opera mm-hmm. and being really like balls to the wall with the action. This issue felt like it went one step beyond that into overindulgence for me. And I don't think I don't think it was a bad issue. Don't get me wrong. I just the first issue of this arc to me, is not as... It, it, it takes that idea a little too far. And what I, what I mean by that is, like, you know, a third of it is pure fight scene, you know? And, and for, me it's a li- for me, it was a little too much in this case. And then I felt like a lot of it was... There, there was a lot of uh, story time or panel time spent on setting up jokes or like with this with this oddball character that does like the Wakanda salute, you know. Uh-huh. I felt like a lot of that was like wacky joke time and it was a little thinner on story. 
you know? I don't know if that much time was spent on that. Well, it felt, it felt like it, reading it. I don't know. Like, okay. It felt like it was it was a little more indulgent. I didn't than... realize, by the way, how many faces Zach makes at us during the show. He must but... sit there and do that at home. And yeah. like, he must he must uh, look over at Maddie and she just thinks, like, why is he looking at me like that right now? <laughs> He's like, it's not you, dear. It's, it's Vince's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. He's back on it. I'm yeah. back on it. See, it's, yeah, see again. I feel like this is like... The book is back on its, it's back on its course. Like Batman and and Deathstroke was a blip. It was it was a. You you could excise it, and it does not affect the mm. continuate the continuing story almost at all. It's almost wholly self contained. Sure. Th- this gets us back on track. This is this could have been issue thirty, and it would have. It's the the logical continuation in tone and story. As always, I fall somewhere <laughs> in between you two. Um, I, uh, Brian's back on his bullshit. <laughs> I never left. Um, no, I thought this was a good issue. I don't think it was... I don't think the Batman vs. Deathstroke was all that bad. And I think the Batman vs. Deathstroke led to this in a lot of ways. So I think that, you know... This was fine. This was a good issue. I like the BR stuff. I like the the mystery of is um, is Slade going nuts or is Wintergreen somehow still communicating with him? That's interesting to me. And I like that. I was afraid this was going to be like six issues of first issue he encounters the Riddler in Arkham, second issue he encounters the Toy Man in Arkham. Just like you know. Just a, a a breeze through Arkham's uh, various inmates. I'm glad it's not that. I'm glad it's something different than that. And yeah, that's good. Yeah, I. Uh, ugh. I just feel like it is going to be that though, just in in a less methodical way. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is going to be. How many issues is this arc? Yeah, I, I believe it is still being solicited as of December. Oh man, I just don't. I don't want Slade spending that much time around Arkham. I guess he's not in Arkham. He's abducted into space. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The fact that this book ended with Slade being abducted into space is. But I thought there was more Arkham shit. Like I thought. Oh, I'm sure there will be more Arkham shit. But you I know. mean, do you want more Arkham, or no. do you not want? I more do not Arkham? want more. I do not want more Arkham. <laughs> If it if it's if it's something else next issue, I'll be so happy. <coughs> Get ready to be happy, baby. I'll be thrilled. All right, we'll take a quick break. That is our top ten lists. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach, and I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. You've been asking for it. You've been demanding it. By you, I mean us. It's a time for our current top ten as of October 2018. So we're going to go this way. We're going to go 
uh, Vince, then Zach, then me. If we're going to talk about a book in a little bit, we'll, we'll mention that. Um, so yeah, Vince, tell us number 10. Can I start with an honorable mention? Is that cheating? <laughs> Back on my bullshit, my You can friend. start with one, because then I want to start with one. Uh, all right. All right. Well, then I want to start with one. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and how about how about for the honorable mentions, if it's on your list, don't reveal it. That's fair. Okay. We'll just, you know, sure. if I say it's something that's on your list, yes. don't, don't say anything. Okay. Okay. All right. I felt the severe risk of running into a super trinity situation here. So I did not put this in my top ten. If it continues on its path, it's definitely top ten material. It's the Bendis Batman Walmart story. That is also my honorable mention. Okay. Zach, don't say anything if it's... Okay, I won't say anything. But I just think that the Nick Darrington stuff, it's it's next level shit, and that it's in a Walmart comic is, is incredible. So I didn't my... say... Sorry, sorry. No, that's all right. I, I, I uh... I just, I just want. I'm not saying anything. I just want to say that I'm very much on my Trinity tonight. So, <laughs> a little foreshadowing. Um, my honorable mention is actually um, Mr. Miracle. It didn't make my list, but I've actually enjoyed that series a lot more than I expected to, especially with the last issue. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give it its due because it, it's done a good job. Tom I King agree. and Mitch. Garrett's have done a good job. I agree. Tom King, you did good. You did good, kid. Sure. <laughs> okay. Ooh, the best Superman movie. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, so, Vince, give us your number 10. Alright, my official number 10. A fish. Oh, God, I, ha- I do have some bullshit later on this list. Okay. My official number 10. Supergirl, you guys. Oh, we'll talk about We're that later. We'll talk about that later, yeah. Oh, Alright, okay. So then, so then I, uh, <laughs> my number ten is Red Hood and the Outlaws. <laughs> I get why you're doing that. You're doing that because it was so good before. But we'll not talk about that later. I'm no, kidding. that will not be talking about later. So, so give us, give us the reason. So Red Hood and the Outlaws was so freaking good, and if the last few issues had not come out, it probably would have been in my top five easily. Yeah. Um. I have not disliked the Red Hood Outlaws is- issues as much as you guys have. There's only been one. There's only been one. I did not dislike the one Red Hood Outlaws <laughs> issue as much as you guys did. Um, uh, this book has been a delight. Scott Lobdell has made me a convert. I'm now rereading all of Superboy <laughs> and the Ravagers. Ravagers wasn't Lobdell, was it? No, no, that was uh, um, you're right, but it was part of the yeah, whole part of the crossover thing. Okay, be... fair enough. Teen Titans, though. Yeah, Teen Titans um, was yeah. Tom Payer, maybe? No, no it was no. Tom DeFalco. Oh, okay. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Um, but Red Hood and the Outlaws has been really good. I think it's going to continue to be good. I think Red Hood Outlaws just a little bump in the road. Uh, Pete Woods, mm, yeah, is a nice addition to the book. Not that, uh, who, who was on it before? Dexter Soy. Dexter oh, Soy. he was very good, too. Yeah. But P. Woods is really good. I think this book still deserves our attention, and that's why it's my number 10. Okay. Well, you gave it to it, so. Yeah. I had to give it to it. Yeah. I mean, your reasoning is sound. It was really good yeah. before the... If I was going on Wilker reasoning here, I would have put <laughs> Detective Comics as my number 10, because I even liked that Brian Hill era a lot. 
But the James Robinson era has... Oh, man, I just thought of another honorable mention. Just brought it down, so... Um, but my number 10, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be talking about later for anybody. And that is Titans is my yeah. uh, number 10. So we all know Zach hates this book, but... Um, I think it's all, it's okay. It's un, it's really uneven to me. Go, go, I'm, I'm, go, go. <laughs> Sorry. Do you want to speak for me or what? Is that, is that what's going to happen here? Or no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell Scott Snyder what you think about this book. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think that this. First of all, I love the team, both creative and on and like the on page team here. I really like the mission statement of the book. I love what they're doing with Dick Grayson here. So I don't know how they're going to incorporate Dick Grayson with the new haircut and memory loss and all that into this book. I have no idea how it's going to happen. But I'm really enjoying this book. Just as much as you guys are enjoying the opening to Superman 3. Um, this is what happens when you let a guy who directed A Hard Day's Night direct a Superman movie. I was just going to say, this looks like the fucking Beatles. It is. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so that's, yeah, that's my number 10. That's a good argument for Titans, honestly. But, um... It's yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. Yeah. I do think that it is a better book than it was pre <laughs> the physical comedy in this movie. <laughs> There's that one scene where Richard Pryor flies out the window on skis yeah. and lands in the middle of it. Oh, classic! We'll get to it. We will. Yeah. Oh my this? No, no, no. no. Blind man who lost his dog is now. <laughs> Where's Superman? <laughs> Right there. <laughs> Why is he helping? Everybody's. <laughs> um, gosh, what was I saying? You saying it was better? It's than better than it was. was. It's better than it was by for sure. But um, it'll be interesting. I know I already said this. It'll be interesting to see how Titans is affected by Dick's new status quo. If they, if even at all, it doesn't seem like it will from the solicits. Yeah, I don't he's know. still around. That gives me the hope that the night that the Nightwing stuff is temporary. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Okay. All right, Vince, what's your number nine? All right, number nine. You can distract. I, I should turn this off because we're just we're coming to see what is three here. Number nine. Number nine is number nine. Number nine. Number, number nine. nine. Speaking of the Beatles, uh, Hawkman, you guys. Man, oh, I wanted that on my list too. Just missed my list. Oh, yeah, man. that was the last it. one I, I dropped from my ten. Uh-huh. But not an honorable mention. <laughs> it um, would have been, that would have been an honorable mention for me. Here's the thing. To me, the difference is I was not going to put 12 pages of a book on my top 10. Oh. That was honorable mention versus... Cowards. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done, my friend. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Hawkman, Vincey. Well, first of all, I flip for, like, alternate versions of characters, and that's pretty much what Robert Venditti's Hawkman is. Yes, yes. But it's also, first of all, it's really good hitch art. Very little... It, it, mm, it is as good as hitch art, I think, can be in 2018. Yeah. There's very little of, like, hitch on his bullshit in yeah. this, you know? There's some, but... And then the other thing is that there's no... To me, there's no fat on this book, you know? It's, it would be so easy for, uh, oh man, yeah, you don't want that. Get, there you go. 
to, to me, it would be so easy to bog this down in, like... In the minutia of continuity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but, but I think I've talked about this the last time we talked about Hawkman. Like, when he, when he encounters a new Hawkman or a new world, there's not a whole lot... Of, there's a little bit, but there's not a whole lot of explaining, like, all right, I'm going to have to go through this argument with this character to convince them that I'm Carter Hall, you know? There's not a lot of that. There's a little of it, but we live in a we, they live in a sci-fi world. They yes. all kind of understand the oddities of the world that they live in. Yeah. And so they instead, Venditti can just breeze by that and get on to the next thing. I think it's moving at such a nice pace, and it's kind of and and with the archaeology stuff, like he's he's gathering artifacts. It really feels like a simple streamlined hawkman that we always should have gotten that for whatever reason dc and writers have struggled to find and i think they found it finally yeah we talked last time about um sort of how you felt that maybe the pattern that it was on was running a little thin and now we're getting the microverse arc that will hopefully you know make that a little bit less um just feel less um, like it's the same issue each time it's placed in a different world. So, mm-hmm. Alright, nice choice. Thanks. It is a good choice. Thanks. It's, it's a good book. I wanted to put it on there, but yeah. I just missed it as well. Okay. Zach? My number nine is The Unexpected. Kind of a similar situation. Like you, I see those books as like. Are we talking about the events or no? Oh, yeah. oh, it just missed. Me neither. Okay. Okay. It's good though. It yeah. is good. It's very good. It's it's funny like how those are kind of like the two books really spinning out of metal that I've liked a lot. Um. I feel like Orlando is doing really good work with these new characters, kind of continuing to double down on the Final Crisis connections. Yeah. And that um, Hawkman was a part of the book this week. Yeah, he well, was. Last, last, yeah, this week. This yeah. week, yeah. This week and last week, too, I think. Or, you know, last issue. Um, I really like the new characters. The art has been pretty good. It was. I really liked it when it was Carrie Nord yes. and Ryan Sook. Ronan Cliquette's not quite as good, but it's still been it's still been yeah, it, it, serviceable for and, sure. And I, and I think he fits the, the tone of the book well. Yeah. Um, this is a, like, really great continuation of metal, I think. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine for me is Aquaman. Are we going to talk about that later? No? Mm-hmm. We're good? Okay. Uh, I think that this obviously has somewhat slipped in the last few months, particularly because of the Suicide Squad crossover, but I think that overall this is still among the best Aquaman stories we've ever had. We talked a lot about this book. I'm not going to go too deep into it. You guys know why this is on the list. I think this is one of those things that is suffering from us having enjoyed it for so long now that we're not recognizing how great it still is in parts. And again, that's taking the Suicide Squad crossover out of it. And it's a shame that the book is going to seemingly end with the Drowned Earth stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the... like. The, like, kind of Shayek, 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 I always butcher that, that whole arc 
probably went on maybe just like a few issues longer than it should have. Uh-huh. And then going straight into the crossover, yeah. But honestly, like that crossover really wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't, but it wasn't as good as it the stuff that had. But the before. art was great. Yes, agreed. Um, so I can. All right, I can that choice. that was my number nine. So Vince, what's your number eight? My number eight is Deathstroke. We're gonna talk about that later. <sighs> Go ahead. No, oh, we're talking up. about later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I just gave it away. The book's not on my list. It's not? No. Okay. Okay, so now it's my now it's my eight. Yeah. Which is I keep closing my list, I should stop doing that. Oh, this is where it gets real wild. Okay. <laughs> uh, my eight is the dreaming. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's not on my list. No, I, I it's not on mine either. I did not do any book that had less than three issues. Well, if you count that first issue, that is three issues. Oh, like that the um Sandman Universe number zero, that uh-huh. one. Which I kinda do. Um, yeah, I like this book a lot. I feel like Belquist Evely's art is beautiful. Um, I really like the scenario that Spurrier is building here with Death missing. I will say I enjoyed the second issue m- way more than the first one. Yeah, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that this week. No, so no. here's our my little platform to talk about it. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought the, the way that it's kind of building the core cast of, like, Merv... Lucian and uh what what's her name um oh shit it's not Dora it's Dora yeah, Dora yep. yeah Dora has been really really good I feel like the central mystery is building really well I actually like didn't know that character at the end is he from later in Sandman or do you, did you recognize him Vince oh. the judge character I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I don't but, think so you know, either. Yeah, yeah, but um, but again, so like, I think it's an, still like you can enjoy it, regardless of like how familiar you are with the Sandman universe. It's uh, it's like beautiful to look at. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think really highly of this book. It's a pretty. It's overall, it's a pretty simple premise. So even I think if you if you know Sandman, you can appreciate it a little more. But like, the 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 premise is so succinct. You just have to know how important um, Daniel is to the the world, mm-hmm. you right? Know? And then and then take that as a given, and then go from there. And everything else kind of revolves around that. And mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Well yeah. said. Thank you. All right, my number eight is Justice League Dark. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Number seven, Vince? My number seven is Catwoman. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, My number seven is Superman. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. My number seven (laughs) is Deathstroke. Okay. All right, let's talk about it. Um, So... We just talked about it for yeah, yeah. ten minutes, but yeah, no, I, I think this suffers from Aquaman syndrome too, where it's been so good for so long that it's hard to recognize the level, of, the sustained level of greatness that it's had. Uh, we have differing opinions on the last arc and the first issue of this arc, but that's okay. Deathstroke is still very good. Christopher Priest is still doing the Lord's work with this book, and I am very happy to be proven wrong that I would ever enjoy a Deathstroke comic. <laughs> This book would have been on my list if not for one of my major goofs. 
What do you mean? D- an, an upcoming goof? An upcoming goof. Oh, okay. upcoming that that goof. pushed it off, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to point out that, that there was a time where Deathstroke was number one on my, my list. Right. And I can't remember. It was pretty close to number one, if not number one on, on a couple of oh, years. All of our lists. I think, yeah. yeah one yeah. time it was number one on yeah at least two out of three lists. And I think, like, I think part of it, as you'll see um, as I go through my list, is that, the, you know, what would have dropped it down to eight on my list is some newness in other parts of the DC yes, line, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. more so than a drop in quality right. from the book, yeah. Because I really did like that 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 uh, Batman Batman Deathstroke arc. Although, <laughs> although I would agree that I don't think the the Batman Deathstroke stuff was the best that Deathstroke has ever right, had. Right, right. Yeah. And so, even though I really liked it, you know, there, there's a bit of a drop, and then also some new stuff that's just tickling my fancy a little more these days. Yeah. So. Um, so what is your number six then, Vince? Set, uh, six, yes. Justice League Dark. Okay. Is it time to talk about that? It's time to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I think this book is uh, is hitting its mission statement so well. I think, you know, we already talked about it. Tiny's grown so much as a writer. Alvaro Martinez Bueno's art is... Probably muy bueno. muy bueno. Probably for the for my money, the best it's ever been. Certainly the creepiest it's ever been, which you need in a book like this. Yes, the art is is living up to the task. The team is really interesting. I like the way that Constantine is being used, where mm-hmm. he's not really a part of the team, but he drifts in and out as he should. Um. I'm I, I'm I'm really smitten with the possibilities for this book, even though it's pretty early. Um, it, it, it's been strong so far. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This book didn't make my list for a number of reasons. Um, one, I'm being like kind of really inconsistent and hypocritical in how I chose books for this one. <laughs> it was way less scientific and way more like feelings based. Um, and also, I was, like, when we were starting making this list, I wanted to be, like, really provocative and pick less than ten books just to be like, these are the best books. <laughs> There's not even ten best books. Oh, but I couldn't do it because there are just literally so many books right now that the are so good. Snob. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I felet lately like there's been a drop in quality in uh-huh. D.C., but I could have had 15 on this list. I had 15. That, that, I, that I feel comfortable saying, yeah. you know. yeah. I think we were talking. We were talking before we were doing this about how. Oh, remember when we were struggling, or we were struggling to, to, have to cut books, you know? And then we we were talking like it'll be easy to get ten. Right. Well, now that we're talking about it, I realize like no, making my list of ten wasn't that hard, but there are like five or so books beyond that that could have easily taken the place of some of yes. these. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Hawkman, Catwoman, there's a number of books that I really yeah. that I really enjoyed that just, just for whatever reason didn't make this 10. And I think our perception our perception that this is a weaker time is just because I think there was a time where there was not much about the post-rebirth DC landscape that was pissing us off. And now I think there are lower lows. I think there's lower lows yes. and also the the highs are different than what they were, and so I think that shift in where the strengths are, specifically, like, we're not really digging the bat books at all right, right now. Right, yeah. I don't I mean, think there's a single bat book. 
I mean, I, I know the Catwoman is a book we all like, but aside from Catwoman, I don't know if there's a single Bat book that mm. I'm enjoying. Yeah. So it, so the perception changed, but I, th- I really think there are a lot of good books. Um, are we up to you, Zach? I think six? so. I'm at six. Okay. Uh, my six was Catwoman. Okay. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, I guess, you know, that's another book. It's only three issues in. Maybe a little premature. But uh, Joelle Jones is a treasure. And mm. the first three issues have been really solid, especially like just spinning out of Tom King's Batman in a really like good and meaningful way. B- being its own thing. Um, yeah, I just, I really dig this book a lot. I have no argument there. I agree. Yeah. She's, she's something else. Oof. Yeah. I think I would have this book higher if it didn't spin out of Tom King's Batman. <laughs> I feel like when I'm reading it, I'm just reminded of why I'm reading it, and that brings it down a bit. Alright, my number six is Superman. That was, that's going to be my next one, so let's talk about it. Okay. Just, talk, yeah. just go ahead. That's my number five. Um, I'm going to kind of tip my hat here. I tip my hand, rather. This is, I like action better than this. I was going to say, they're just the, I'm just putting them together. Oh, I did not, I, I, okay. I actually have mine okay. differently, but, right. but that's fine. Um, but I think that they're working very well in tandem together. I think that, you know, these, pulling them from the double shipment, but letting Bendis do both of them has been a really effective tool for the Superman books. This book, I, I've just been less enamored with the art in this book. The Ivan Reyes art is not as great as the Gleason and now Paquette art that we've gotten. And I believe the next issue is Ryan Sook. So, you know, mm. there's just there's a lot more to dig from the artistic side of action. And also, action is where we're going to be getting more of the Lois and John stuff. So that is where my heart lays with this. Um, right. But, again... Bendis is doing really good Superman work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely more of like the big bombastic superheroics. You know, we've got giant space armies and and a lot of crazy stuff. Whereas action is much more like down to earth, almost street level crime. Really, like yeah. there's a supernatural element going on, but you're getting stuff in in the Daily Planet. You're getting the John and Lois stuff. We'll get to that eventually, but yeah, I, I think I can see how Superman is great, but for our particular sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that was your number five? That was my number five as well, yeah. So that was your number five? My number five is Justice League. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Okay. My number five is Supergirl. Oh, well. We'll talk about that later. Okay, yeah. That was my, yeah, that was my 10. Yeah. We didn't talk about it then. Yep, no. you're right. Okay. We'll talk about that later, Zach? We'll talk about it later. All okay. right. My number four, then? Uh-huh. Border Town. Well, that's your trinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I like Border Town a lot. I do, but, you know. I don't think, I don't think I'm risking, I don't think the risk is there. Okay. You know? I think Border Town, it, are, are we talk? am I talking about yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Border Town is remarkable. I don't think there's a weakness 
to it. Let me and just I, say, when you said it fast, I just said Borat Town, which is, again... <laughs> that's a different book. My wife, yeah. my town. That's a, that's a more problematic book yeah. than this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, in my country we have problems. Um, uh, no, uh, Border Town is, it's a book for our times, in some ways, very sadly, you know, um, in other ways, uh, embracing culture in a way that I think people need to see. It, it kind of represents, and you've seen this in the reaction online, sadly, from like the more pathetic corners of the comics discourse, um, a reaction to it that's like, well, oh, it's just shoving, it's just shoving this issue in our faces, you know, or whatever. I got Twitter hate for doing the advance review of the first issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's all it takes with these people, you know. But like, these books are important. There's no denying it. And actually, the more that, the more that awful people push back, when the more when, I want to love it. And the more we need it, you know? Yes, it's, agreed. It's like, it, it just it just affirms that we're, we'll never get to the point where we're, like, mature enough to handle the discourse in this country, you know, right, between yeah. right and left or whatever. But, but this comic is so, it's, it's, it's so much a part of everything, you know? It's, it's celebratory at times, it's terrifying, it's... Uh, sad and melancholy because of the way that things are, you know. You've got one of the main characters who tries to hide his ethnicity. Um, you've got another character who walks around wearing a luchador mask all the time, right. um, which is both funny and then also you find out in the second issue is very kind of touching and very yes. childlike yes. that he wears it as a safety. It makes him feel safe. Um, just really... Uh, Really great stuff, and funny, and there's little DC Easter eggs in there. There's a Kyle Rayner in issue yep. number two, Kyle Rayner poster. And a, and a Kyle Rayner, like, in a very specific costume era. Yes. Yeah. You know? The, yeah, like, that trips your trigger, probably. <laughs> nah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> no. a fan of that era. I'm not oh, no? necessarily okay. now, but yeah. I just figured, you know, the I en- era. I enjoyed the reference to that specific era. Uh-huh. That's not my favorite Kyle Rayner era. All right. okay. Well, and Kyle Rayner is what half Mexican? Is that right? Or I believe, yeah, is at least part, at least half Latino. Yeah, yeah. So there's another uh, another connection there. Um, another another wink at representation. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Just uh, it's a stunner. So I, I actually feel bad putting it at four because I think my esteem for it's going to be higher than that if it continues on this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I feel I I didn't put it on my list. I really wish I had. There were just like so many like almost kind of oh, gosh. I yeah I re, I do feel really bad that I didn't put it on there now because I was making I was making like a weird stand principle choices where clearly that's the book with the most principle out of all of those. <laughs> like, I was just making like goofy antagonistic choices. Um, and I just felt like again, I was going with three as my cutoff. So uh-huh. this would have been on my list had we had been going yeah. I less than three. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a great book. I think the like uh, the mythology that it's building up is really great. This most recent issue, I got a like um, 
almost kind of like a Stranger Things vibe to it. Where they I, all met up in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah. And I really like, you know, it seems they're going to have like a relationship with this chupacabra creature thing, which is going to be great. I'm totally down for that. Um, yeah, I think this book is going to be really, really special. I agree. What's your number four, Zach? My number four is Bendis Batman. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the most Trinitarian choice you could possibly have. Okay, okay, but like alone, like that single twelve-page yeah. chapter might be, yeah, one of the best things I've read all year. Sure, yeah. Um, I think that alone, like Darrington at just the top of his game. Bendis at the top of his at game. the top of his game like two creators one one older and more seasoned and one newer just and two creators I would not have paired up never that's I think the most amazing part of it maybe yes and just this I mean we talked about it when we talked about the issue but just the the skill at play to make a 12 chapter or 12 issue chapter that feels so full and like it, it's just it, it it floored me i think it's so good and i had to include it i just had to mostly because i wanted to just up i i wanted to outdo my trinity choice but okay. also this like really deserved it i think oh yeah yeah it's great i think at the end of the year and i don't mean like december i mean at the end of this year telling uh-huh. the story this will this i think I'll, maybe i'll end something right now this will be the best Batman story between now and then. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think of any of the Batman, oh, like, this yeah. will be the best Batman story. And again, to get that from 12 pages is pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's also cool that, like, Jenny Hex is being introduced in this, and that's going to tie into the Young Justice book, so all that's very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, my number four, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about it in a little while, and that's the Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. Crap, I forgot about the Wildstorm. My you were, goodness. You were so busy getting on your Bendis Walmart bullshit. I, yeah, I, I, exactly. Like, I forgot about a lot of books, but I totally blanked on the Wildstorm. I think we're going to talk about that in a little we while. Will, we will talk about that later. Okay, okay. so okay. what's your number three? Number then? three is Justice League. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay, so my number three is Action Comics. We'll talk about that later. Okay. My number three is The Flash. Go ahead and Go talk ahead. about it. You guys didn't have The Flash in your top? These, I mean, it's fine, but these last two rogue-centric arcs did not stand up to the top ten on this list. I, I can agree with that. However, I think that the, while I may not like the, so Walter Richardson, friend of the podcast, uh, and I were talking about Heroes in Crisis, and I was talking about some of the backlash that... I had seen slash we had gotten on Twitter about our hatred of the issue. And Walter said, I believe it's, it's just fucking plot to these people. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what's on the page, the mm-hmm. plot. I can understand the plot of The Flash's last two arcs being maybe not everyone's favorite. I don't think the execution was poor at all, though. I think that given what the plot was, like, the dialogue was great. The action, the art was great. I think it furthers the overall Flash story really well, even if it's not the most interesting plot of the run so far. Sure. And I think think there's a body of work. All the books that are getting into that 50 range 
I think it's been the most consistent of any of those books. I think that's true. Yeah, that's a it's a really good argument for it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Vince, what's your number? Uh... You're looking at me like you just dunked on me. No, no, not really. <laughs> I will momentarily. Oh, but, no, kidding. No, you uh, well, What's your duck? <laughs> the deuce? The deuce. Two Ws? Yeah. Wonder Woman? You picked Wonder Woman? Yeah. Man, I wanted to so bad, but I couldn't justify it. I, Same. Like... Same, I wanted to so bad. I mean, I guess I could have, but like, like those five, I gushed on those five Orlando issues so much. I love the Steve Orlando issues. But it was surrounded by the Robinson, and then it's like going into some a of this crossover. Is, some of this is what have you done for me lately. Yeah. It is true. And, I love and, and also, I feel like the Shea Fontana stuff was not, we had really built up, I think, what she was going to do on the book, and her stuff was okay, but it wasn't great. And so I feel like the Shea Fontana plus the James Robinson... And then Robinson was up for a long time. Now I feel so. like you've dunked on me because, like, yeah, I wasn't true to my heart and I didn't put it on there. Follow your heart. That's what I do. Yeah, but this one in my top. I just had to leave Red Hood on there somehow. <laughs> like, I mean, I what 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 you guys are saying is absolutely true. But this this top ten. I mean, we don't define whether it's since the last time we did this, right? Uh, or right. We keep it loose intentionally so that we can. You know, it's all differ, about how you feel. Yeah, differ yeah. a little more, and I I think these five issues of Orlando Wonder Woman uh-huh. have been so good. Even that first issue, which you guys were a little bit, I think you were a little bit cooler on it than I was. The I was definitely a little bit cooler on it. Yeah. yeah, I was. The one where she visited, um, what's her name, uh, for fifty two weeks or whatever. Yeah. You know, of course, fifty two. Yep. But. I mean, I think it was even longer. I think it was like years over the course of years. Oh, it could be, yeah. I it, it was, was fifty two visits. visits. Yes, that's right. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So, and looking back on that as part of this, I like it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Orlando just like. I mean, it's it's it doesn't seem like it would be hard to get, who Diana is as a character, and yet I feel like Robinson like. Just on that run wrote her as some, like, weird, not warm, secondary character in her own book. And Orlando just gets her as this warm, inviting, dignitarian, uh, you know, and and, and she is central to the book. And Yes, I think that's the bigger sin of the Robinson run. I actually think that Diana, like, it's funny, you and Matt Malikoff are the two people I know who are the most Diana, who I, who I feel have the best sense of who Diana is, and I feel like a lot of the writers of the last 20, 25 years haven't had that sense, but Robinson both didn't have that sense and didn't make her the focus point, the focal of the book, so that that's a problem. Yeah. And But the, the Orlando issues just pull me over so much so that, like, well, on the weeks that I knew it was going to be an Orlando Wonder Woman book, that book is at the top of my list. I want to read that book almost more than any other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it enough to make it my number two. So. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. 
like man so good that that middle the middle arc with like the aztec mm -hmm. gods we somehow skipped my five by the way oh what was it oh no 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 we we're gonna talk about it later apparently okay so sorry what was your number five supergirl okay yeah yeah i forgot that zach was making was was making all the bold claims this week so uh -huh. sorry i just panicked there for a second um okay number two zach number two is supergirl okay I just think that that book's a delight. Like, even so, like, enough to put it over, for me, I guess I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but over the, I guess I already said my two. Yeah, I put it over the Bendis books. So yeah. you went, wait, you went, what the H for me on five issues of really good Wonder Woman, and you got, like, two good issues of Supergirl? In my brain, in my brain, it makes sense because it's continuing. <laughs> it's the hope and, of and things I think to that come. The end of the last Supergirl stuff was, was pretty good. Okay, all right. Davida Ayala co-writes. Yes, with, that was a great. So I feel like that leading into this. Yeah. Okay. Just wait till my next I'm, month. I'm just goofing. Um, just wait till my next. Supergirl. <laughs> Supergirl has just like been everything I want because it's like building off of the Bendis Superman stuff in a great way. It's Kara and Crypto off in space having fun. It's Green Lanterns being better than they've been in a yeah. hundred years. It's Kevin Maguire art. It's Kevin Maguire art. All this cool costume changes for the costumes are great. They're 11, 10 out of 10. 11 out of 10. <laughs> whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I just like it. Again, it like. There's something about that book that just cements the cohesion in this in the Bendis Superman line. Like the existence of that book makes his books better, and because of that, I feel like it deserves to be highlighted. Yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, I will say this. I was thinking about this earlier today. I feel like the Bendis Superman books, including this, fit into the Justice League feel right now, pretty well. Uh -huh. Like the the three Justice League books pretty well, I feel like the Tom King Batman run a does not feel consistent over the Bat books at all, and those don't seem to be in the same world as the Justice League books at all. And yeah. it's, it's very weird how that happened, especially because because Bendis is branded in DC. Yeah, which because like in that first issue of Superman, I think it was he had that interaction with John with uh, Martian Manhunter. Yeah, that felt so in line with Justice League. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, my number two is action comics. Uh, for the reasons we kind of, we kind of talked about them before, doing the Superman stuff, but you know, mm -hmm. the art's been incredible. I enjoy the more grounded part in the JMS pun, uh, <laughs> Superman story, and yeah, love action comics right now. It's so good. I don't know how I became a Bendis boy. <laughs> we all did. Yeah. All right, you're number one, buddy. I think it's no secret at this point. I don't know, but I don't know what we have left. It's the Wildstorm. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I am, I am blown away. I mean, this book was great from the start, but I'm blown away at the craft, month in and month out, the artistic craft from uh, John Davis Hunt, the economical writing from Warren Ellis, the, the, the complete reimagining of this world that's somehow very familiar and yet brand new and modern and tight and, and it's, I don't know. I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could list 
a half a dozen or a dozen comics that feel like this comic. But to me, in the era of comics as pitches for movies or as um, as an idea on the page that could be cinematic and made into a movie or a TV series or whatever, um, this feels like the future of comics to me in that way. And a lot of times when you say that a comic is cinematic or you could see it easily translatable to a movie or TV, that's that's you praising the book well, kind of... Um, well, it's a backhanded compliment in some ways. Yeah, it's a backhanded compliment because you're, you're praising the book for maybe its story <laughs> or, or whatever, but you're saying, ah, this is nothing that can be done, that can't it be can't done be in another done, media, yeah. you know? But with this comic, I think it's both. I think you could easily see this as the pitch for a movie version of The Wildstorm, and yet John Davis Hunt's work on it is absolutely like the height of comic booking, mm-hmm. I think. Just the the perspective, the pacing of the action scenes, the way that he uses large panels versus smaller panels. Yeah. One of the things about like about the 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 Wildstorm art traditionally or like um Brian Hitch or whatever is that it's always this big cinematic wide, wide screen, screen they yeah. say. Well, you know, there's maybe a page or a, or a panel or something that's big and whatever, but but then John Davis Hunt packs all this stuff into these little panels, and it, yeah, he he always does like at least one long sequence in the book of like five or six pages. It's silent sometimes without yeah. any dialogue at all. It's a fight yeah. or something that's happening. Yeah. yeah, and yet the issues still feel dense, yeah, and, and meaty. It it switches yeah. it up so much, you know. You're 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 bouncing along with it, and and it it moves you along at the pace that it wants, mm-hmm. and. Man, it's it's just like, I mean, aside from the story being great and be, my being endlessly intrigued by what's going on with every aspect, every character, you know, there's not a weakness here, I think. And, you know, they just they just introduced Apollo and Midnighter at the end of it, and that's like a huge, like, fuck yeah moment, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like... Uh, <laughs> Apart from all of that, even if I wasn't invested in all this world and this characters or whatever, I would just marvel at the way it's constructed, you know? Yeah. It's crazy good. I think its construction is maybe the most impressive part to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I think equally impressive, and we touched on this last time, is just how, like, this is this is like the textbook example of how to do a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point too. Uh, it, it really like doesn't get better than this. I think. Yeah. Zach, you probably have a wild number one. I do. It's it's. You so, guys so, are gonna... so let me do my Justice League right now, and then we can talk about your number one. Okay, we'll you're gonna, you're you'll call me on it. I can't even think. I can't even imagine. <laughs> no, he's actually like the Flintstones or something. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> that'd be a party foul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I, to Justice League. So it's funny you mentioned cinematic. Because my biggest compliment of the Snyder Justice League book so far is it's not cinematic. Yes. It is the most comic booky comic book shit you can do. It is totally there's omniscient narration, there's jumping around in timelines, there's stuff that would read so cheesy on the screen, but it 
fucking works on the page. And there's just, there's this glorious embrace of the medium, shedding the shame. Like, like Tom King hates superheroes and writes a Batman comic. Scott fucking Snyder loves superheroes and is writing the most superhero book he can do. And to me, it is the most unabashed love letter to what comics can and should be. It's it's taking superheroes in a way that aren't making them dark and gritty, but are still making them complex and interesting. The art rips every <laughs> week. The art rips. It's really good. And when you read the book, you're like, this is DC Comics. To me, that is, I'm holding it up to the world and saying, like, this is why I love DC. This book right here. It's, yeah. it's also the best Justice League book since JLA by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. I want to throw love to that James Robinson run. I know run. you like I it. Know, I want it too, but I, I like that run, but I think this is... This is different than that. It's different. The, the James Robinson run felt like a an attempt to do a different sort of Justice League book. Very much Whereas so. this is doing the ultimate Justice League book. Exactly. That's, that's different. Yeah. So yeah, so so that's my argument for it being number one. It's incredibly good. Yeah. Like. And then also, it gets bonus points because of its connectivity to the other books. Uh-huh. And I, I'm trying to not judge it based on that. But the fact that it is so tied in to the other Justice League books is is really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man. Well said. Well you, said. You knocked that out of the park. You Thank win. You. you win the you win the list. I don't know. I, I can't wait to hear what you're gonna say here. So uh, you guys might call foul on this yeah. due to Wait, let's try and guess, Vince. I can't even imagine I mean I'm not going to give you any hints. I, okay. okay, I kind of just want to let him let him whip here. Well, okay, let, let, sorry, okay so it's not going to be like just like honestly. Just let me it. just let me say it. Okay. <laughs> My number one pick is Doom Patrol. Oh, oh that's maybe a yeah. bullshit pick. There's still one issue left this year, <laughs> and there has been at least one issue since we last discussed it. Sure. And I don't know if we've done a list since Milk Wars ended. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember if we did. We probably haven't done an issue since Milk Wars. I don't think we have. Doom Patrol is the best book at DC right now. Young Animal may be on hiatus, but Gerard Way and Nick Darrington are the best. (laughs) And that's my favorite book at DC right now. And I look greedily into the future at that 12th issue. Yeah. Right now is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Just saying. I I'd said that my list was full of goofs. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a goof. I mean, if I could remember the what what if I could remember the last time I looked at a Doom Patrol book, I, I can tell you when the last time was. It was I can vaguely make out what the title looks like. It's funny, now that you mention that, Zach, I feel like Doom Patrol and the Wildstorm have way more in common than maybe are just on the surface. Uh-huh. I think they're both really good ways to reboot <laughs> uh, like a universe and, uh, you know, 
sort of area. Do you know when the last that one came out in April? Yeah, eleven came out in April. <laughs> Apparently, I was a different age the last time. <laughs> but twelve comes out this month. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. On on All Hallows Eve. Ooh, spooky. Spooky time. Yeah. Yeah. The spooky, spooky night. Spooky October. Yeah. Um. Here's what I think. I. I think that's a perfectly valid pick. I think. What, you, what is that? I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's, there's been three. There will have been yeah, three saying, issues what is this that? year. It's so small. Ten, oh, <laughs> ten, ten came out in January. Okay. Eleven came out. Okay. In, and then we had Wait all Milk Wars. So when was Milk Wars? It would have been like in the middle of that. I want to say I Milk guess. Wars came out before Maybe it came out did. before ten. It came maybe, out before eleven. Maybe, maybe before, before ten. 10. Maybe. Okay. That's possible. But here's what I here's what I think happened. Because I think if you're if you're considering that that Doom Patrol is still publishing uh, technically, it technically is. I do think were I to include Doom Patrol in my list based on technicality, <laughs> I did that. Our number our number ones would have been my one two three in a, in a different order, you know, because I I had Wildstorm, I would have had Doom Patrol and Justice League. Probably if, Justice League then Doom Patrol. If I had remembered Wildstorm, it would have been in my top three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, so I think I think what we've got is a good representation of the best that DC has recently had to offer. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Even though, even though, like, it's so goofy to even think about the last time that I read a Doom Patrol comic. Issue that... 11 was really good. I mean that series is that series is really good across the board. I think, but I it just seems so long ago. If you'd have told me that it was last year that we were last read a comic, I would have believed you. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little over five months ago. See, that even seems like not. That seems like too recently. <laughs> I actually That's thought cool. it, I actually thought it was more recent. I thought that issue came out in like June or July. Oh, really? When I picked that, mm. boy. I've lived a thousand lives since then. It's been a hard year. Yeah. I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. Yeah. My back page is baby. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun, our top tens. Yeah. I always like doing these. I'm, I'm glad too. we don't do them as often as... Well, next week, let's do it again. Okay, yeah. No, but I was going to say, like, I, I don't think we should do it again until maybe, like... February or March. Next New York Comic Con. Next yeah. New York Comic Con. Next year. I think I think twice a year is plenty. Yeah, yeah I think so too. You know. Is this where he goes out the window on skis? No. Oh. This is where Richard Pryor, he has to like, uh, he steals the key, he has to do, he has to basically rig up Lana Lang's ex-husband to like, put the card in the same time he does. Mm. But, they've been, but to get... Her husband to help out, he had to get him super drunk, and now he's drunk also. So yeah, I thought he got drunk, and that's why he ended up out out of the window. And no, no, he puts like he puts like a sheet or like a tablecloth on his back, like he's Superman. He's explaining to them on there's a map. They made they're so rich. Uh, his boss is so rich that there's a uh, they have like a they have like a skiing mountain on the side of their building or whatever. Oh yes, man, I haven't seen this since I was. Ten at the most. Oh, okay. You know. Three, yeah. maybe four. <laughs> when when I was this three. Three, maybe four. 
I saw Richard Pryor fall out of the 40th floor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, really, we have the listeners to thank for the fact that we're sitting here right now. I, that sounds cheesy and maudlin or whatever, but this has been so much fun to have you guys here. And, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for the listeners who listen to our show, we wouldn't make this happen. So... Thank you for listening, truly. Um, thank you for hosting us, Brian. Oh, thank yes. Thank you for opening your home to us and my your pleasure. kindness. I taught the boys about Taylor Ham today. Yeah. We had some really good noodles. We had some gabagool last night. I had an egg cream, and I yes. I turned into Black Adam when yeah. I said it. <laughs> and we're going to have egg creams tomorrow morning. Yes, we are. And you can find uh, two of us on Twitter. I'm at Brian Dintonap. I'm at Wilker Fox. You can communicate with Vince by speaking into the spirit realm and hoping yeah. that his spirit communicates with him yeah. as well. You can uh, catch me riding an escalator at New York Comic Con and recognize my voice. You can text Donald Trump and ask him to text Vince <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> but you didn't get that alert, right? I didn't get that alert. I'm off the grid, So he you guys. can't even do that, yo. You quit Twitter and you get off the grid, apparently. I'm apparently. off the grid like Jesse Ventura. <laughs> You're off the grid like James Adomi and doing this winter. <laughs> I've read the documents. Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota. Kumail. All right, guys. Uh, we didn't tease next week. Oh. Zach, oh you have the books open? I do, yes. We've got... Um, oh, hold on. Give me half a second. Half a second. More than half a second. The, the drive goofed on me. Okay, so we've got... Catwoman, Curse Comics Cavalcade, Detective Comics, Hawkman, House of Whispers, um, both the Justice League and Superman Walmart issues to talk about, the finale to Michael Cray, penultimate Plastic Man issue, more of that good Red Hood outlaw, uh, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Superman, Flash, Titans, and Wonder Woman 56, the next chapter of The Witching Hour. That's a good week. That's yeah. a good-ass week. And so, we'll be back with that good-ass week. Good night, folks. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Vince from Multiversity here with Scott Snyder. So, Scott, Justice League number nine. Um, probably one of our favorite issues of the year, I think. Uh, what you and Jorge did was something that we have been waiting for as fans, which is kind of like a, a, a little downtime or a little breathing room for the Justice League and uh, be between you and Jorge coming up with the different rooms for the members of the Justice League talk about that development and, and how you went about that with him well it, it was great I mean Jorge is sort of my my brother in arms on the book and 
He's also like the handsomest man in all of comics. So every time I give him a page he likes, he'll send a picture of himself like like flexing and whatever. So my phone is just full of very handsome Jorge pictures. Uh, and he's incredibly talented. Uh, so this issue is one I've been waiting to get to for a while because, like you said, I mean, the first arc of Justice League, I wanted it to feel like this is how ambitious we are, this is how crazy we're going, this is the the characters, everybody has a moment in it, and, you know, I wanted it to feel just stuffed to the brim with everything we're going to try and achieve in this book. So it needed a, an issue like this, but the issue, as much as it's kind of a breather, also, for me at least, sets up a lot of the emotional relationships that are going to play out in different ways throughout the year. It sets up um, key themes uh, about sort of, uh, I think, what these characters are going to be up against and the ways in which they're going to react, what the League represents, all of that stuff. So uh, it, was a, it was a blast. And the most fun thing was seeing Jorge come up with the designs for those rooms. Uh, the way he did, he came up with, like, the floating crypto bed for uh, Superman's domain. And uh, the way he did the fishing boat at the bottom of Arthur's, I just love it. And Wonder Woman's being empty with the shield, just perfect. So it's a joy. He's, he's, a, he's a blast to work with. We're secretly, we're working on an arc right now. I'm writing issue 19, 20, and 21. It's a six-issue arc. It's about the sixth dimension. Mixie Spitlick or Mixaplick comes down and it's like everything that just happened with the Legion of Doom, you're destroying the fabric of the multiverse. They go there and wait till you see that. It's Jorge going totally berserk, drawing characters across time, crisis level stuff. It's, it's just so fun. It's my favorite. I have not had, like, between metal to now is like the most fun I've ever had in my life on anything. So I just, I loved metal, love this. It's a blast. Yeah, I, I think that shows in the work. And um, I, I just love how big it is. And, and one of the things that you seem to, from the very start of your run on Batman with, with Capullo, um, these, like, secret histories of these characters or things that, that they don't even know in their own world. And that's extending to Justice League right now on, like, a cosmic level. So what what is it about um, these, like, you know, whether it's the totality or now with the drowned Earth, and these like uh, gods or whatever that are that are interfering. What is it about these like secret histories that you enjoy writing so much with these characters? Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think it's the humility of it. I mean, I grew up here, actually, not far from this Javits Center. I grew up on the east side of this neighborhood, and uh, we used to go down to the seaport and uh, sort of the Lower East Side a lot, and. I think Court of Owls, a lot of the stuff I did on American Vampire, it's inspired by the idea that when you live in a place with a lot of history, it, it's very humbling when you realize sort of how small you are given the number of lives that came before you, given the scope of how long these buildings have been here, all of it. And so I like trying to find situations in which our heroes suddenly feel humble, small, challenged, afraid. And so I like sort of showing things in their mythologies they didn't know were there because they were hidden by history or they're things that are coming in the future they didn't know about or, you know, pieces of, of their own story that are just in some way um, out of their field of vision. So we're doing that in a huge way. Drowned Earth starts, yeah, this, this coming uh, issue, issue 10. And what Aquaman realizes is that, um, and we set this up in metal, actually, so if you go back and look at metal, uh, the center of the Earth where Aquaman goes, they, they find this machine built by Arion, Atlantis' first great hero, King. And so in this, uh, they realize that uh, Arion uh, fought off with Poseidon's help an attack of sea gods back when life in the universe was forming in oceans all across the universe. And now those sea gods have been locked in the graveyard of gods, which Black Manta and Cheetah have opened, and they're coming here to drown the earth. They fill it. They bring a space kraken. 
I'm giving everything away. Uh, they bring a space kraken, multiple space krakens, uh, but they fill it with alien liquid that essentially turns you into a fish zombie monster the second it touches you. So it's like everything I love at once. Batman is in a full body cast. He's got a tiny fragment of Starro in a jar with him that's called Jaro that thinks of him that thinks of him as his father. I swear to God. It literally is like, Daddy? And he's like, no, you know. So it is everything I've ever wanted to do at once. It's like insane, but it's also very personal. Justice League, to me, from the get-go, is an argument between Luthor and Martian Manhunter about this moment when everything seems contentious, when everything seems, um, you know, uh, irreparable in terms of uh, political sides, in terms of factions, in terms of problems that don't seem like we're going to be able to fix them, the environment, all this stuff. Luthor is the one that's like, let's embrace that and say we are meant to be selfish, small creatures. I had a vision of the future. In No Justice, I saw that the main energy on Earth is entropy. I will actually be our greatest hero by saying embrace your inner bad guy, be your best self. Martian Manhunter, the most empathetic character because he literally connects everybody uh, telepathically, believes that together we can be more than our own programming. So it's a story that matters to me very deeply. It's it's sort of, I'm leaving everything on the table. If I never wrote another superhero story after this, I'm sort of like, here's everything. So um, that's why I feel okay having such bonkers fun with it, is because it means something to me. So then I can be like, Batman's full body cast chair has like missiles and missiles that are like, you know, and he gets attacked by the Legion of Doom while he's in a body cast. And it's like everything like that is like I can do it because I know the heart of the story is 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 important to me and matters to me. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Like I said before, I, I think that definitely comes through. A um, couple more questions just about books that you've got coming up. Um, Batman Who Laughs. Now, does that play upon a little bit? We, we just recently saw him in Justice League. Does that fill out that a little bit or expand upon that? Yeah, it does. It's uh, Batman Who Laughs. Like, uh, if you don't know the character, he basically is Batman's worst fear uh, come to life, which is if he kills the Joker, Joker's heart has a toxin in it, which will turn whoever killed him into the next Joker. So Batman becomes Jokerized, but not just Jokerized. He becomes deeply evil, but he still has a sense of strategy. So he's like the apex predator of the DCU. He's like the, the total great white shark. You know, Joker has things to prove to Batman and a lot of theatrics about proving that. This guy does not want to prove shit. He, sorry, stop. All he cares about is, like, anything that looks like a threat at all, I'm going to take down because Batman always wins. And that's it. He is the living embodiment of if Batman had to do anything to win, always, that's it. So it's a spiritual successor to uh, Black Mirror, my very first Batman story. Um, I'm doing it with Jock because it's all about those things, those characters, James Jr., uh, uh, Gotham changing um, Penguin, Two-Face Joker's in it obviously and it's the darkest Batman story I've, I've written easily it's basically the Batman last coming here saying I've seen you on multiple worlds I know your true heart and you're not who you think you are and I'm going to prove it to you and burn the whole city in that way so it's, it's really really fun I'm very proud of it and uh, and it does as much as it's a standalone I mean it is like I want it to be like a, a special book things happen in it and especially at the end of it that wind up playing into Tom's Batman and play even bigger into Justice League and play into a book we haven't announced yet we're going to announce it soon Uh, and then therefore all of that stuff is going to come full circle like if I could leave you guys with like one big sort of thesis it's this and I promise like from Metal to No Justice to Justice League Justice League Odyssey Justice League Dark Batman Who Laughs book coming up we haven't announced we're announcing soon 
it's one meta story that we planned out when we were doing metal that was like we're going to be on this stuff for two three years we want everything to come full circle and come summer this year into fall you'll see all of it culminate in something really special i'm really excited like very very special i i mean for better or worse i'm like we're bringing everything back barbatos you know the i shouldn't spoil too much but every everything we build the anti-monitor monitor all the mythology around kendra around martian manhunter did lex luthor know him in a past thing everything is like what's in the totality maybe the mother of some of these celestial beings it's crazy so you'll see it's going to be really fun i'm going i'm going out dude i'm going like i want to just go for broke and be like if i die on this hill i will die on this hill i'm just but it's the i'm having a blast like i love jorge uh francis you know uh jim chung amazing greg capullo on this and jock on i like I don't know. I, I'm willing to like swing for the fence and miss because I'm having such a good time with my creative partner. So, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you guys, and thank you. By the way, let me just say, like, you guys have been very supportive of us from day one, and we go back, and I really appreciate it. So, thank you for always being there and showing up. I love you guys. Multiversity, you're awesome. So, thanks again. What are the DC3's top ten? Click to find out. <laughs> and, and ten three, books, three the DC3 books we love, love and eight books we don't. Yeah. <laughs>